Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is a Sunday, March the 18th, Australian time. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And uh, where you are, it is, what, Saturday, March the 17th? That's correct. You are in the United States of America? United States of America. This is, uh, uh, I think we've, I'm not sure, if, I think we've started previous seasons with you being in the States, but this is the first time where, oh no, last year I was over here, wasn't I, when we started? Yeah, I feel very Damo and Hutchie. I listen to their podcast, The Sounding Board, and Hutchie will obviously, yeah, often be in New York, where he has his second home in New York, and they'll be podcasting out of Hutchie's home office. And I feel like, you know, we really are the Hutchie and Damo of uninformed football content. I've not listened to Damo and Hutchie, but as a friend of yours, I've noticed over the last 12 months, you have been a very passive but very insistent promoter of that podcast you've mentioned to me at least two or three times how much you love that podcast i really do love that podcast and i think like you know when you love something that uh, no one else can understand why you love that thing Uh, that podcast is a bit like that when i tell people they always think that i'm promoting some ulterior agenda or something because it just doesn't seem natural that i'm like "No, no no it's a really good podcast but what i realize is it's a podcast that's almost specifically made to cater to my needs Because what I enjoy is people talking about the machinations behind media and behind the media of football and getting a little insider, cynical sort of vibe on that. Essentially, that's what I love. And that podcast is all about that. I mean, I've told this story in in previous episodes, but when I think of Hachi, I just think of him passionate girl outside Eve nightclub. (laughs) And it's just, I can't shake that image. Even though, like, you know, he may be one of the most well-informed men in football. I just see him passionate chick outside Eve nightclub. What if they changed the name of the podcast? It affected me. What if if they changed the name of the podcast to Purple and the Pasha? Would that get you on board? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Back in. (laughs) Now, it is a new season of Two Guys, One Cup. And so uh, this is our uh, season preview episode, which... You know, uh, in keeping with our, our normal style, we're probably going to get out just before the actual season proper starts. Probably come out in the middle of round two. I mean, I feel like I'm a dude who, uh, you know, watches Game of Thrones, but it's been a year since the latest series, and I need a refresher because, A, I'm in another country. B, the last four weeks I've been locked away writing. I haven't really been spending much time going online and, and reading the news. So it's like, so this episode's going to be like, when you watch a YouTube video that recaps the previous seasons of, of your favourite series. Yeah, except that we've done so little research and we've forgotten so much over the over the break period that it'll be like a recap by two people who only watched half of the season they're recapping. There'll be bits in the, there'll be bits in the recap that we won't remember happening in the series. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's do what we like to do on this show. Let's just do a, a, an overall general. What's your vibe? What's your vibe on the AFL? What's your vibe on the season past and the season coming? Just like you know, this is your two minute opening address. I'll go first. Okay. My vibe. My vibe. Richmond, astounding. Like we've been right in there from the very beginning. We even coined a term that uh, went into popular parlance last season. So I was thinking about this. It's like Richmond. 
have we all been fooled? Is the bigger Richmondy thing going to happen this season? Like, we always thought that winning the Premiership or getting the Premiership was the end of the story. But could something hilarious happen this year? I don't know. I mean, it is one of those things, isn't it? Because they've come into the preseason Richmond on fire. Like, better than ever. You're like, here we go. No hangover. That's what people are saying already. No premiership hangover. They're ready to go. Dusty's going to win another Brownlow. He'll demand that his father gets uh, deported back over to Australia to see his second Brownlow. Uh, Damien Hardwick's going to be appointed coach for life like some Chinese president. Like, you know, they're on fire. <laughs> Nothing's going wrong. Jack Rewalt's going to go part-time being the lead singer for the Killers. Everything down at Richmond is just on fire. Um... That is the perfect setup for things to go terribly, terribly Richmondy and wrong. Are you frozen again? Hello. Well, you look very peaceful. <laughs> That's what I'll say about you. Just very calming, you know. Got a calming, resting face. Can anyone hear me? Time out. You look like a giant. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. Um, you are a bit <laughs> shaky to me still, but we'll have a go. Let's just keep going and we'll see how we All go. Right. Let, let's go. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> uh, this fucking mic stand won't even stay up. Yeah. All right. Look, we, look, for those, I mean, hopefully a lot of this has been cut out, but we're about four minutes into the podcast and it's like cut out twice. Uh, so this is really going well. Yeah. In our typical two guys, one cup form, we have stumbled. We're having a shitty JLT. We have no, we've come yeah, back to terrible. preseason. We're ten kilos overweight. I've been eating too much turtle <laughs> up with my family, and I've come back ten kilograms overweight. And we can't fucking handball together. We're missing targets. It's a disgrace. Yeah, we're the Jordan we're the Jordan Degoe of footy podcasts. Oh yeah, mate. Yeah, exactly. We've ruined our house. We've drunk, driven. We've blamed it all on our dog. Our dogs <laughs> put together our internet connection between our two countries. Um, all right. What we were saying was, yes, right. perfect build up for Richmond, because this is the thing about Richmond. Everything's gone right for Richmond and they're back and everything feels better for Richmond. You know, they could go back to back premierships. They're going to be the biggest uh, club in the entire land. They're going to have the biggest membership in the entire land. They've got the female president as a step forward for women in the game. They've got Damien Hardwick, who's just uh, been reappointed. He'll be the longest coach that Richmond has had. He's going to be coach for life, Chinese president style. He's just going to bring in Dimmer, coach for Richmond for the rest of his time. Uh, Dusty's going to win three mm -hmm. brown lows, back to back to back. At his third one, he's going to refuse to go up and accept it unless the Australian government do a deal with New Zealand to get his dad back in the country. <laughs> and then he's going to send his dad up to accept it. The third one, like Marlon Brando did with that uh, Native American lady at the Oscars. Uh, everything's coming up, Richmond. Alex Rance will be the first person they take DNA from to make clones because he's just so good looking and so talented and so fit and so nice that it, they'll become an Alex Rance cloning program. And then suddenly under the father-son rule, there'll be like 18 Alex Rance Rance Juniors running around in the VFL for Richmond. This club has everything. Jack Rewalt will retire from football and become the lead singer of the Killers. Him and Brandon Flowers will sing <laughs> next to each other on stage, all duos. That, that's, that's what it's set up for. And that is the perfect position for something very Richmondy to take place. Now, here's the thing. It's not enough that they just have a shitty season and have a premiership hangover like the Bulldogs did. If Rich, something Richmondy is going to happen, it's got to be... Bigger than that. It's got to be retrospectively ruining of their premiership. 
Oh, okay. But what? What? I mean, have you had a think about this, or what would that? What would that look like? Would it be something that taints last year? Because I think you could have a catastrophic season, and that would be fairly Richmondy. Like, if they lose to Carlton and then do not win another game for the season, that would be Richmondy, right? Yeah. Well, that'd be pretty Richmondy, but. <laughs> but I don't think you're a bit, you, you see, you, you're not you're not a, you're not enticed by that one. It's a bit too run of the mill, Richmond. Well, you know what it is. That feels to me like JJ Abrams' first pitch for his Star Wars idea. Well, you're like, yeah, <laughs> like it's good and it'll please the original fans, but it's basically a reboot of something we've already seen before. I'm I'm wanting and expecting yeah, okay. something new. Last year was something new. They flipped the story. This was your. Yeah, you know, your most recent Star Wars, you know, the one that's going to anger a mm. few people because it went against all the original ideas of the franchise, but it flipped it on its head. Very good story. But to follow that up now, mm. what do you have to do? Don't you have to... No one wants to see... Well, the other option, I guess, is Richmond have a sustained period of success and Richmond become, again, the most hated team in the competition. Because in the 80s, people forget that when Richmond was up and about, like, their fans... Because the great thing about their fans is they were there for them the whole time they were shit. But the flip side of that is mm. once Richmond fans, like Richmond's doing good, Richmond fans have an opportunity to be up and about all the fucking time. And I could see us turning yeah, against right. that, you know? Yeah, like they become the new Collingwood. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a possibility. I mean, I also, would you, in everything that we love about Richmond and the Richmondy kind of myth is stuff that happens on the field, right? It's on-field performance. It's on-field characters. So if something were to happen behind the scenes that derailed the season or was like the biggest news event in the world, would that fit into the Richmondy category? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if they had some sort of, okay. you know, uh, Wayne Carey-style incident down at Richmond, down at Punt Road, it turns out that, you know, yeah. um, you know how uh, Damien Hardwick had been talking about how Mrs. Hardwick was um, you know, the real success behind last season and it was all about you know the influence of Mrs. Hardwick and then it was revealed yeah. that all season uh, uh, Dustin Martin had been having a, an affair with Mrs. Hardwick. <laughs> like if that came out, something like that, that would be pretty Richmondy. All right, all right. So there is a chance that we could see, uh, uh, like we could have Richmondy back. Like they have not banished, they have not banished Richmondy just yet. How many seasons of success, sustained success, do they need to have before we stop talking about Richmondy? Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? I guess it's like when um, a comedian turns into a serious commentator, but that you always expect that there's going to be a punchline. Maybe there isn't any punchlines anymore. Maybe this is Dylan Goes Electric. You know, maybe this is like, you know, maybe this is a new change in direction. It's not, just not a phase they're going through. Maybe they've like got rid of that old Richmondiness of before and the new thing that we have to get used to with Richmond is sustained period of success. But I don't buy it yet. I don't trust it yet. I must say, in the wash-up of the grand final, because we did our postseason live show, but I don't think we ever did our uh, postseason wrap-up show. But I, my feeling with Richmond fans is that they've been pretty good about it. Like there was so much relief involved in the celebration at Premiership. A bit like the Bull well, Bulldogs fans. You guys were more just it was like disbelief. It was like six months of disbelief before the season started again. With Richmond fans, I feel like they've been grateful more than anything. There hasn't been a lot of kind of grandstanding or posturing or arrogant strutting yet. No, yet. But if they roll into this season and then suddenly the Richmond juggernaut is up and about, I mean, it'll be good for footy. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh, I love seeing yeah. those big teams up and about. It's And Richmond have got amazing fans. And good on them. They, 
they they deserve the success that they have got, and it was an amazing story. And I'd love to see them flying about halfway through the season. I guess my best scenario for a Richmondy type result is that Richmond come out of the blocks on fire this season. You know, first half mm. of the season, they're just basically unstoppable. And then some Richmondy shit starts to happen. You know, Alex Rance, like, runs into Basha Hooley by mistake, you know, in the back line and, you know, breaks his beautiful, beautiful face. I don't know. <laughs> like, something. Not that we're saying that we want that to happen, but, you know, that'd we're be pretty saying, if you're that could If you're best looking... If your best-looking player gets his nose spread across his face... Right, accidentally, by Basher. Accidentally. It's not Basher's fault, but because of the inherent racism in the Australian football community, it suddenly becomes like a racist issue because it was Basher Hooley, and people start talking about that incident he had last year, and now there's tension down at Tigerland. But things are being torn apart on Punt Road. You know, that's the sort of, yeah, Richmondy-style disaster that you really need to barrack for. Did you watch the season launch film, which um, is one of those Peter Dickinson films who's got to be said an amazing sports documentarian he's made a few things did he make the bulldogs one as well no that was ad brown but um pete stuff is fantastic well so if you haven't seen it yet it's the uh it's the season launch film but it's mainly about uh the the tigers last year and the, and the grand final in particular interview taking an interview from damien hardwick in 2014 which is really interesting that that's the period they chose to kind of uh select from because you know, Damien Hardwick has had a fairly... He's been on, like, tenderhooks for quite some time. You know, he sort of inherited this list that had a lot of young talent. They got into the finals fairly quickly, but then they couldn't capitalise. And then there was a period of time... Like, the year, people forget that in 2016, they didn't make the finals. Is that right? Yeah, they didn't make the finals. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they so, didn't make the finals. And his helps, job was up way, for grabs. Though, because you get a better draw, you know, you get a better run at the finals, but not making the finals. But um, it's not a bad thing sometimes to be a team that makes the finals, to know that you're good enough to do it, then misses the finals the next year because you get a better draw and some better draft picks and you kind of get to so, get yourself cherry ripe to make a run for it. Um, that's what I'm hoping happened with the Bulldogs last season. I'm hoping <laughs> the fact that we, we've got a better draw this year, we might be... Um, I reckon uh, it's an amazing story. And those ads, um, did you see the one with the, the girl from uh, Bankstown? Did you see no. this launch video as well? The AFL have used that demo one as part of their ad campaign. There's the 30-minute version uh, that's going to be a TV special, but there's also little, like smaller versions that, that are basically their AFL launch TVCs, and they're all along that same theme. And one of them is with this Muslim girl playing for, uh, like, in the western suburbs of Sydney, and her dad just, like, saying that she'd never play football and tackling games. And then, like, this tra it's essentially one of those things where the dad, by the end, is, like, you know, the runner for the team and, you know, <laughs> like, so excited for it. And it's, like, just one of those things where I'm, like, I'm fucking crying at an AFL ad, you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but watching that, like, because I, I watched the Bulldogs one last year as well, and and I watched this, and and it's funny... Watching it from the perspective of a St. Kilda supporter, it's kind of like being a German and watching a World War II film. It's like you see one side triumph and you're like, I get this because this is a story of like, you know, heroism and people getting what they want. But you identify with the losers because I'm watching that and I see all I'm watching is the Adelaide supporters and it's like, oh yeah, I've been there four times. Four times I've felt like that. I know exactly what that feels like. I mean, I'm loving this inspiring story, but I can't identify with it. It's like taking your German friend to see a war movie. 
I mean, your train got massacred. <laughs> like, massacred. Seriously, man. Losers. Good film, though, right? Uh, how good would it have been if you guys won? You can see how happy we were that we won. How good would it have been if you won? You can be happy for me, right? You got murdered, though. Literally, on a beach. And that's the like the last two years, you know, my you know some of my closest friends. I've been able to watch them go through, you know, the the rarest high, which is to see your team, unless you're unless you're back for Hawthorne, in which it's you know fairly perfunctory. <laughs> but for most of my mates who go for shit shit teams, like you don't get to see it. But I've seen you get, I've seen you experience it, and I saw you know a few mates experience it last year, and it's like, I mean, we'll get it to this when we get to our team previews, but. I feel like that feeling is so far away. <laughs> like, I feel like, I, I feel further away from that than I've ever felt in my life before. I feel like my team had a chance and that window's passed and now everyone's just, everyone's just heaps better. Like, you know what I mean? But like, that, how often is that shot going to come like, along? That's what I felt like before the Bulldogs thing happened. I mean, you got to remember it was only a couple of years beforehand that we didn't have, you know, a coach, a captain, uh, you know, a CEO. Like, we were a mess. And we looked an absolute mess. We'd bought some kid from, you know, Sydney, yeah, from GWS for like over a million dollars a year who'd barely played any football. We were an absolute shocking mess. So I think that that's not necessarily... Richmond were a mess like a season beforehand. You're like an enabler. I've come to you. I've got a gambling problem, Will. Like I keep fucking betting against the odds. And I'm like, you know what? Like it's just not worth the heartache. And you're saying to me, yeah, but Charlie, if you win, you win big. Right. <laughs> it's great. You just got to try it. All you got to do is win, mate. Your problem is that you're just losing. If you start winning, you'll really enjoy this a lot more. Even though you won big a couple of years ago, but then last year you fucking lost everything. You're still trying yeah. to get me on the train. I'm like, dude, it's still worth it. It's worth the come down for the, how good the high is. <laughs> So uh, one thing I have been picking up on uh, over in the States is this insane discussion about the club songs. Like, yes. I, I saw a tweet, a couple of tweets about There's a few St Kilda accounts I follow, and it's fair to say they're not happy. And so I went to the site, and I just listened to the St Kilda one. And I have to say, like, if you hadn't told me it was a different version, I wouldn't know. The St Kilda song is very simple, though. It's one verse repeated again and again. But... I, I heard it and was like, well, no, the trumpets are all there and the drum roll's all there. Like, it's got everything that I recognize. It's not like they got Mike Brady. To, you remember in the 80s, like when Mike Brady came in? Mike Brady did an 80s version of when the Saints go marching in that was like all synth and shit. And he's like, we're Saints, we're proud, and we've got a lot of fight. We're on the move and they'll feel our might. We chase them nice and hard. We make them drop their guard. And we're loyal to our mates because we're the Saints. Like... That was an issue. They used to play that at Moravian Games. But this isn't that. This is just like another fucking barbershop quartet. Right, yeah. It, and not even that one One that's that different. Like, some of the songs sound exactly the same as they used to. Some of them sound slightly different to what they used to. But I did read that the Richmond one has been changed because uh, Risking Head and... Did you think it was Risking Head and Shin or Risking Head and Skin? I thought it was Risking Head and Skin. Right. So I think it's Risking Head and Skin in the song but in the official club lyrics of the song it's shin so the singers make any sung sense. the wrong thing and it's become like accepted as what it is but i think they were risking their shins not their skin 
Technically, the only guy risking his shins is the ruckman, which is why he wears shin guards. The rest of you aren't risking <laughs> your shins. I mean, you are, in a general sense, risking your skin more than you are risking your shins. I, yeah. Like, if you're going <laughs> to do a hierarchy of things that you're risking when running onto an AFL field, I would say that skin is above a shin. But I would say that the hurt caused your shin by a shin injury rather than a skin injury is probably worse, right? What did the, uh, what did the Bulldogs song sound like? Any different to your ears? Nah, not really. I mean, all it sounds like is that they've got a more private school group of barbershop quartet people to sing like basically the old songs were a bit like you know older and gruffer and these ones mm. seem a little bit more like auto-tuned like i don't even know if right. they really redid the songs it just feels like they just went in and got the old recordings and auto-tuned them and went we re-recorded these what are you talking about copyright yeah. laws remastered remastered yeah. that's what it is it's funny i did read one tweet though that was some person that was so hyperbolic where they were like you know the fans have attached their hearts to the tones of these people. And when you change it, you change their attachment to 50 years worth of history. It's like, no, you don't. It's fine, mate. Like, if St Kilda won the grand final and they played the fucking Macarena, I'd be fine with that. If it was a mistake that played the Macarena, I'd be asking that they play the Macarena as a club song from now on. I mean, that would be a great club song. Like, can you imagine <laughs> all the players before the game? Harker style. The Crows do their Crowbot lineup as they stare across at them in the, like St Kilda playing Adelaide in the preliminary final at the Adelaide Oval. And uh, the Crows do their Crowbot stance and try to steer you guys down through intimidation uh, because they've brought it back because it's working. And the Saints, in a master move, uh, start playing the Macarena and doing the Macarena from the other side. I that's like a, that's like a scene out of some film like the Mighty Ducks or Air Bud or something where it's like <laughs> the big play they've been working on all season is that they distract everyone by doing the Macarena so the quarterback can run around with the ball. Like I'd love that. If Alan Richardson like if Alan Richardson if that's his big ploy for twenty eighteen, is like we isolate McCartan in the forward line and the rest of you do the Macarena. <laughs> right. <laughs> or maybe it's that sort of thing of like he's given him a range of tricks. You know, like Mighty Duck style, you know, those baseball movies style, like that he keeps winning the things by doing a range of sort of on-field pranks. So all like last season, essentially they've had him, uh, you know, uh, training with like Chris Angel or someone. They've sent him to Vegas. <laughs> they've sent Paddy McCartan to Vegas to train with Chris Angel. And he's got a range of like magic tricks and surprises and whatever where he distracts his opponents with the Macarena or making something disappear or like putting his mouth guard in one hand and then like getting the guess which hand it in, but it's actually in their mouth. You know, all this sort of crazy magic stuff that he distracts them with and kicks goals. Should we um, should we look at each club, Will, and uh, yeah, and not? give our, our prognostications for the for the upcoming season? Sure. Now, now how I should think... we do this? Should we go through the order of the ladder last year, or just alphabetical order? I think alphabetical order is easier because that way Mike Hal can just plot the info. Because what we thought we'd do, uh, just as a little refresher for ourselves, is we will uh, you know we'll, we'll get to each club and then we'll take it in turns to uh, to, to guess the name of the coach and the captain. Any other relevant facts before we actually uh, get into the discussion? This is good. This sets a basis for the low expectations our audience should have for this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So you want to go first? Adelaide. Coaching Adelaide. Captain. Okay. Coach, uh, Donnie Pike. Um, is that right? Oh, shit. Thank God. <laughs> thank God you didn't ask me. I thought it was Brenton Sanderson. 
Shit, that would have been embarrassing. I, I think they've had a couple since Sando. So. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, this is the thing. I feel terrible about our podcast. Like, there's people who must see AFL in the title of this podcast. And go, I love AFL. I'll tune into this. Yeah. And then just go, this guy doesn't know fucking anything. Anything. He doesn't know the guy who coached the team to the grand final last year. <laughs> Donny Pike, who we didn't know the name of when we did this preview last year. So uh, I've learnt that one between last season and this season. I believe the captain of the Adelaide Crows, Charlie, is still uh, Tex Walker. Although yeah. uh, the man who was voted best captain in the league, I think, uh, last season, has had his uh, colours diminished a little by his finals performances and his post-grand final sort of performances. There's a bit of uh, heat on old Tex coming into this season, I think. There was a bit of off-season really? discussion that Rory Sloan might be given the captaincy to try to keep him in Adelaide. There you go. It, it turns out I do know something about footy. Uh, you can tell you've moved to Melbourne. Like, this is like, you've moved to Melbourne and you're working with two dudes who know a lot about football because I didn't know any of that stuff. I, I was like, we both went into this going, we haven't really looked at much, but I was like, ah, oh, maybe some seeped in by osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have to start with the obvious, which is Adelaide's uh, grand final performance last year. Yes. No good. No good. Happens to the but, best you know, of us. They made it to the grand final, and they were one of the better teams in the competition all season. And if one team wins a grand final, the other team always looks, you know, it, suddenly it's like a disaster for them. You know, everything's going wrong. They were the second best team in the competition, and they lost to a rampaging team at the top of their form on grand final day in front of a Victorian home crowd. I don't... I, I'm not as... Like, I think Adelaide still... You've got to be pretty confident about Adelaide for this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take a different approach. I, uh, I agree with everything that you said. The one difference that I have felt in the, la in, the, in the last six months is that last year we said Richmond Adelaide is, is the feel-good grand final because no matter which of those teams win, you're happy for both of them. Yeah. But during the grand final when I was watching it, <laughs> I found myself really not wanting Adelaide to win. I don't know if it was a hangover from 97... But something roared back to me where when they kicked the first two goals and their fans were up and about, I was like, no, nah, not okay with this. Not okay with this. And so, yes, I think they're still contenders, but I'm just putting you on notice, Adelaide, <laughs> that your time in my good graces has passed. I feel like I really was there for you guys, but now you are just another interstate team. Like, I, I look, I still love your players. I still think you're, you know, you're a really good team, but... You're not getting any free passes from me anymore. No, they don't have that fairy tale element that last season I had a bit of affection for Adelaide as well. I was like, you know what? All's forgiven. I forget. I, I forgive those years because we've got our premiership now. I was in that warm afterglow where I could, you know, embrace Adelaide. Mag but you're being magnanimous. I was, but you know what? A year's passed and some of my magnanimity has eaped away, Adelaide. <laughs> and I've got to be honest with you, no fairy tale anymore. I look forward to your inevitable disappointing slide down the ladder. Good luck to you all. <laughs> and what other foot, footy podcast could you tune into for magnanimity? I can't even say it. Magnanimity? I know. For somebody not being able to say magnanimity? Yeah, <laughs> I hear uh, yeah, so okay, let's talk. Let's talk where we we see them finishing on the ladder. Let's not speculate on on, on an actual ladder because I think we did that last year and we completely yeah. just threw like four clubs into the same position. But I reckon they're top four, definitely premiership material. Yeah, top four, top four. I don't reckon they'll make the grand final, but I reckon top four. What do you reckon about uh, Tex going clean lip? 
Uh, I don't know. Let's TBC. What's this space? What's this space between his top lip and his nose for updates? Because I feel like you know, if you're looking at if you're putting a whiteboard together before the game, that would be one of the key areas that I'd be getting into text. I'd be getting into him about his disappointing performance on Grand Final day, his comments about Lever leaving and those sort of things afterwards, the ruptures around the club around his leadership. But mostly, I'd be getting into him about his lack of mustache. To be honest, that'd be my number one spot I'd be going for straight away. So I think it's a big risky move. It's a bold move. He's put it out there on Front Street. You know, he's basically you know pinned a target under his nose to say, you know, all attention's on me. Pop quiz. Who looks weirder without a moustache? Tex Walker or Superman in Justice League? Well, line ball. I'll tell you mid-season. <laughs> I'll tell you at the mid-season break. Do you think the shaving of the mo is kind of like when a half-forward flanker cuts his long flowing hair or gets rid of his headband? Is it him saying, well, yes, coach, I'm taking it serious now? You know, I think there is an element of that. It's like, you know, it's like Jake Stringer realising that he wasn't playing well enough to have that man bun. And it's like, it's one of those things where you go, no, I'm straightening up. But what I would like to see is if Tex this season, Sans moustache, manages to have like a really great season, kicks 100 goals, leads Adelaide to a, you know, redemptive grand final win, wins the Norm Smith medal, that he demands that the Crows go back over any old footage and uh, Superman style CGI out the mustache so it doesn't remind him of how it was weighing him down. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right, let's move on. Next team. Is it Brisbane? Okay. New coach. I believe it's Stuart Dew. Yep, correct. And and the captain of Brisbane. I should know this. Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, no, it's not Tommy Rockliffe. It's... Uh, fuck, it's not, because he plays for Port Adelaide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Fuck, who's the captain I mean, of Brisbane? That Is would it? be a controversial choice by the Lions if they said, you know what, we're just going to oh. let Rockliffe be captain still. Is it Dane Beams? <laughs> it is Dane Beams. Oh, Day, Dane with the stray Y Beams, I believe. I think that's right. So Beams is the captain and uh, Jew is the coach. Um, oh, this is Brisbane. Sorry, Fagan. You, we, got, we were talking. <laughs> oh, Gold Coast. It's Gold Coast. Oh, shit. We're off to such a bad start. Oh, that's the best. That's the best. Yes, of course. Chris I knew Fagan. that. Chris Fagan. Chris Pagan, Dennis Pagan. Pagan. Yeah, I, that's terrible. I mean, I just got so excited by the thought of Queensland footy. You've got to forgive me, everyone. I'm sorry. I know we joke about how little I know about football, but this is, a, this is an inauspicious beginning. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what it is. It's your first day back on the track. You're going to fumble a couple. You just don't have that ball touch back yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I actually knew that. Dennis Pagan, Chris Fagan, captain of Brisbane. Captain is Dane. I got the captain right, at least. Yeah. Um, now, look, they, uh, we, were good on, we were big on them last year just because we saw some youngsters running around. But yep. now, it's kind of like, all right, well, you've had another good draft season. You've got Hodgie in there. You drafted quite well. I think you want to see them win, say, like six games for the year? I reckon eight. I reckon they're capable of winning eight games. But if they win somewhere between six, six to eight, six to nine games, I reckon that's a really good season for Brisbane. And I think they're definitely capable of that, I would have thought. You know what? Maybe can we just have a break for a couple of seconds? They've got a Hodgie up there. Um, it's as close as we got to our dream that the Gold Coast would become a place for retirees. 
Um, it's a small start, but you know what? Mm. Like maybe we can talk them into a bigger plan if this works out. So I'm on all on board for Hodgie being up in Brisbane. Uh, it's so weird to see him in Brisbane colours. I will say that. Um, you know the photo in the paper. It really does. It's just it is one of those things where you see like you get you get so used to a player being in specific colours that they look very weird when you see them in new colours. But um, yeah. no, I'm excited well, to have him there. Like Nicky Winmar when he played for the Bulldogs. That always no Bulldogs champion Nicky Winmar. Obviously, <laughs> I mean you know I, I'm I'm lobbying not only for that statue of Nicky Winmar lifting up his. Uh, you know, shirt to protest against racism in the crowd, but I'm lobbying that they actually change that uh, jersey from uh, the St Kilda one to the Bulldogs one to honour his true championship at the Western Bulldogs. I saw Nicky crying at the uh, Bulldogs grand final two years ago. Finally, finally, the yeah. club that he loved so much. Exactly. He finally got some vindication. He was alongside Fitzroy champion Doug Hawkins. <laughs> um, now, I reckon, uh, I reckon they're going to be good Brisbane, I reckon they're going to scare a few teams. And one of those teams I think they're going to scare is the Saints. We've got them round one, which is like, you know, what do they say about run round one? It's like, it's anyone's game. Like, that's the that's the one round where everything gets flipped on its head. And I think that with Hodgie, they've got some boom recruits. They could beat us round one. Yeah, where are you playing? Is it in Melbourne or is it in Brisbane? Melbourne, Saturday afternoon, I believe. Oh, you still might get them into Melbourne on a Saturday afternoon. If they manage to beat the Saints in Melbourne first round on a Saturday afternoon, that is good signed for the Brisbane Lions, I would have thought. And what about the Saints? That is a terrible sign for the Saints. <laughs> and you're probably right about everything, and this is going to be a tough year doing this podcast again. <laughs> All right, moving on. Who we got next? Is it Carlton? Carlton. Go. Coach and captain. Uh, Brendan Bolton is the coach of the Carlton Football Club and the captain, I know, because he came into the radio station the other day uh, for an interview and his name is Mark Murphy. He's a very handsome young man. But I am starting to notice about the Carlton, uh, well, about footballers in general, that they have this kind of wall-eyed expression. Like mm. all of them have these kind of their eyes are slightly closer together. I don't know if it's like from playing football or if the thing that like you've evolved to be better at playing football if you have this sort of eyes that seem to like, you know, point in the like they kind of focus in more than normal people's yeah. eyes. We we had Joel Selwood and Mark Murphy and they both had the exact same expression on their face, the exact same eyes and I'm like, you've got footballer face. <laughs> <laughs> Rest, resting football face. Yeah, you've got resting footy face. No well, I guess you're so good at this. We, wouldn't you got to keep your eyes on the ball? I guess it would affect the way it looked. You'd just be sort of like, meh. <laughs> you can't see right. what I just did then, but I did a kind of like, meh. <laughs> yeah, but you did an exact impression of both of them. It was uncanny. <laughs> you know what we should also do in our um, team previews is guess who won last year's best and fairest. So why oh, don't we just jump idea. back to Adelaide for a second. Who won their best and fairest last year? Adelaide Crows' best and fairest would have been... Uh, one of the the Crouch brothers play for them, right? That the, yeah. they both had good seasons. Yeah. Uh, Crouch, Matthew Crouch. I reckon Cr Matthew Crouch won the Adelaide Best and Ferris. Who, who do you reckon? Um, oh, Mark oh, Rory Bickley. Sloan. Maybe Rory Sloan. <laughs> but Mark Bickley. <laughs> Late run by Mark Bickley. Yeah, I reckon Rory. I reckon Rory. Rory Sloan, or I mean, yeah, Rory. Rory Sloan. I think is my pick. Michael, Matt Crouch. Well done, Will. Matt Crouch, yes. Okay, right, so nice. best, best and fairest for Brisbane last year would have been Dane Zorko. Uh, Dane Zorko had a pretty good season, I would say, or Dane Beams. It would have been one of the two Danes. Uh, I'm going to say Beams, just for the sake of it. 
Who was the Brisbane best and fairest? Josh Shackey. Was Josh Shackey best and fairest in Brisbane last year? <laughs> I believe it was David Bain. Mark Zanotti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Brisbane best and fairest was Dane Zorko. There you go. Nice yeah. one. Carlton best and fairest last year. Who won the Carlton best and fairest last year? That's a great question. I have no idea who it would be. Who won the Carlton? Would it not be Mark Murphy? Mark Murphy had an okay year. Bryce Gibbs had a really good year, but then he left. He wouldn't have been best and fairest when he left, would he? Um, what about one of the younger kids, like Jack uh, Savani or or um, uh, Kerno? No, not Kerno. Maybe Kerno. No, maybe I think it's. I think it would be one Cripps. of the old. Kerno I think it'd, it'd be like a like, crew. It'd be a cruise. I'm going to say Mark Murphy. I'm going to say uh, fuck. I don't know. Bryce Gibbs. Bryce Cruiser? Gibbs. Did Bryce Gibbs win it? I don't know. Who won the Carlton Best and Ferris last don't year? Don't leave us hanging, Mike Al. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I need to know who this is now. Mark Murphy! Uh, Mark Murphy! Fucking hell. I mean, that was just... Uh, that was the luck of the Irish. It's a good thing on St. Paddy's Day here in America. I guess Murphy. I guess Murphy, because that was blind luck. Um, all right. So, what do we reckon about Carlton this year? Uh, Carlton, I reckon, will have a pretty good season as long as they can you know, keep their list together and as long as they're young kids. Um, you know, Dow and a few of these guys who look like... He know, looks like a gun, stars. right? Yeah. Uh, did you see that story about him getting his tooth knocked out in that preseason game? No. Yeah, so he played this absolute, like, fantastic first game in the preseason. But I know, it was, against, it was against the Saints. Yeah, also got his tooth knocked out because he had his mouth guard in his sock when he was just standing and he got bumped and smashed his tooth out. So, you know, he's the sort of, you know, big thinker that you really want, you know, leading your team. So I think that uh, if I was Carlton, I'd be excited about that. Well, he, look, he's only played a couple of games, but the one thing I, I saw in him is what you see in um, uh, Danaher, Joe Danaher, which is just seems so happy to be out there. Like he got a couple, he got on the end of a couple in that JLT game. And he was so wrapped, like he was so excited. It's, it's that kind of enthusiasm's infectious. I'm all for it. Yeah, I got to say, coming into this season, if I have an overwhelming thing about where my, where I am with football, I haven't necessarily been that excited about the season. But the more I think of each of the teams, I think you can make a really compelling case for a lot of teams in the AFL this year that they could have a good year. And I reckon it's probably the most positive you could be about every single team then I can, in my memory. Normally, you can just go into a season and go, well, they're just going to be absolutely no good this season. Whereas, I think there's a bit of hope around that any of the teams could have a bit of a good season this season. Well, apart well, from, well, you know, the Saints and Collingwood. And, we'll get and, to them. And, and the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's really like any other season. There's good teams and bad teams. Uh, yeah, I reckon, I reckon you'd put them in the Brisbane category. Six to eight wins should be. Brendan Bolton to be third-year running, most adorable coach in the AFL. I reckon Carlton, in where they are in their evolution, would want to be pressing for finals. I don't think it matters that they don't make them, but I think they'd want to see their team be one of those ones that is at least pressing around the finals. Okay. All right, next team. Is it Frio? No, C.D. Collingwood. Collingwood, Collingwood. coach, easy. Nathan Buckley, for now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At least least for round one. Nathan Buckley, Captain Scott Pendlebury. That's an easy one. Um, gee, the pies are really just sort of, if it wasn't for the Nathan Buckley kind of fiasco, we wouldn't really be talking about them much because their on-field performances have not been that uh, exciting. They have been neither good nor terrible. So they sort of just Collingwood? Who won the Collingwood best and fairest last year? Hmm. I think it would be Adam Trelaw. 
Yeah, I reckon Trelaw is probably a pretty good guess as well. That's who I guess, but I have absolutely no idea. Steel Sidebottom? What about Steel Mickey Sidebottom? Mc- M- Mickey McGuan. <laughs> yeah, did Mickey McGuan, did he have a good season? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Dougie Steel Barwick. Sidebottom. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Dougie Barwick out of the back pocket. Those big thighs. <laughs> steel Sidebottom. Uh, well done. Steel Sidebottom. There you go. All right. He's nice. uh, unfortunately okay. injured for this season, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, they've got a lot of injuries, unfortunately, the Pies. That's the hardest thing for them. Like, out of their top 10, maybe six of them are, you know, uh, likely not to start well in the season. So it's going to be tough for Collingwood, I would think. I would have thought the first half of the season in particular, maybe they could get it going in the second half of the season. I'd really prefer that, to be honest, because... Uh, I, know, hope, obviously... I hope they have an awful season, because I just love the fact that five days a week you have to go to work. It's amazing how much self-interest uh, like changes your view of the world. I will tell you that. Like, <laughs> like in the past, there was nothing that made me more happy than the idea that Collingwood might get injured to all their best players and lose every game. It was something that just brought a certain amount of schadenfreude to my life. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing them lose, much like I'd enjoy taking my German friend to a war movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the bad guys are losing and the good guys are winning. That's, that's, that's what I was always thinking. But now that I work in a confined environment with the president of the Collingwood Football Club uh, every single day of my life, um, I have a vested interest in his happiness. And i got to be honest with you, I cannot bear a season where it's in the papers all the time about whether he or Buckley or those sort of people are going to lose their job. So I'm hoping that Collingwood have a nice, solid season and almost make the finals. That's what have, I'm hoping. I'm putting them got- in that six to eight as well. Have you got any insider info? Any is 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 how's Eddie? Is he bullish about this season? I've got so much inside info that I think that I can't reveal any of it. I probably know more about the inner workings of the Collingwood Football Club than most other people on the planet right now. It's crazy how much shit I know. Um, uh, well, they are okay. I think they. Uh, I think Bucks Bucks went on this health retreat. All right. How about uh, we try this because this is an audio format. I will ask a question and you can nod or shake your head. Okay, good. good. That's your yeah. answer. All right. Um, is Jordan Dugowie out on the outer? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Does Nathan Buckley have the full support of the board? <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, all right. Sorry for you people at home who didn't get to see those responses, but that's fascinating. We'll have to talk uh, off air. <laughs> and that's not saying anything. Yeah. Uh, um, I feel the same. Now, here's oh, what I would say about Collingwood is that I think that the club itself seems pretty happy. It doesn't strike me as being a club that is fractured in the way that sometimes it's reported. I reckon that it seems like there's a fair amount of excitement around Nathan's leadership and that he's come back from a yoga retreat. He's doing yoga now and he's lost like oh a heap God. of weight. Has he got his top five chants? <laughs> he's got his top, he's come back with his top five mantras. He's <laughs> top five meditation experts, which he flips oh around all the time. I mean, it, that, I mean, it makes sense. You've never seen a guy more needing to get into yoga than Nathan Buckley. Yoga is all about letting go, releasing, lack of control. Like just let... Just let things happen. I mean, that makes sense. I would love to see a zend out Nathan Buckley. What would yeah. that look like? 
Nah, he'd be the opposite. He'd be like, I want to be the best at yoga ever. <laughs> and if yeah. anybody else in this class is holding me back, then fuck you. You've got to keep up with me. I want to get the downward dog more downward than anyone has in history. I feel like you that they are round about that mid-table team at the moment. Injuries, are, injuries don't help. And oh, we should take a moment um, to acknowledge that Jesse White has in fact retired. Um, two years after we retired him. I mean, I Jesse told you. White. I picked it. Picked it. Another great prediction. Locked in by two guys, one cup. <laughs> Jesse White is going to retire in two years' time. If we were like a sports radio show, we'd play that clip and go, picked it. Heard it here first. World exclusive. <laughs> I said this way back in 2015. What is, no, I said this a good two years before he actually retired. I said this two years before we started this podcast. <laughs> so it's four years in total. Yeah. In fact, uh, his coach said in one preseason meeting, whatever happened to Jesse White? And Jesse was just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking right at him. I'm right here, mate. Uh, okay, next team. Uh, okay, next team is, of course... I don't know, it comes what? up to C, D, C, D uh, F, Essendon. Essendon, of course. All right, Essendon. Uh, the coach of the Essendon Football Club is uh, who? That's your go. I, say, I guess oh, uh, Nathan Buckley. John Worsfold. Yeah. yeah. And the captain, I believe, is Dyson Heppel, I'm going to say. Yeah. I think Can Dyson we just... Heppel's... I just stop for a second and have a talk about Dyson Heppel's hair. I watched sure. the uh, footage from the Captain's Day the other day, of which apparently like five captains were missing. <laughs> like, that's weird, right? Like, you know that day is coming. I mean, I'm sure you got rehab and shit to do, but there's literally like five captains who didn't even turn up. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, it's like when uh, Gil McLaughlin has the meeting for all the coaches and then some of them actually don't uh, go to the coaches' meeting. And I'm always like, that's a bold move. Yeah. I would have thought that's the dinner that you go to if you're a coach. And I would have thought that Captain's Day, if you're a captain of a club, they just put that in the schedule and go, yeah, well, he gets the day off training because he's got to go to Captain's Day. Yeah, I mean, I just, I also feel like it's the kind of thing that there's some dudes would be ducking out on because it's just a day of press, which they, they don't want to do. And when they do that captain survey where it's like, who's going to win the brown low, who's going to make the grand final, do you disregard the votes of the person who's been sent in place? Like, did Rory Sloan's opinion count when he went... On the weekend? Well, what I would like is that they do that sort of thing of like, you know, they're allowed to vote on behalf of the person. It's much like, it should be one of those things where they a do it proxy in parliament. Vote. Where they, yeah, yeah, they get, but in parliament often they'll give them a pair. Like, so fa say for example, someone from one side of the politics is has to be out for a funeral or something. What they'll do is uh, one from the other side, it's a convention that they'll also sit out of that. I would love to, if they had to get a pair from another club. So the Adelaide votes were cast by, like, you know, Adam Trelaw. They nominated Adam Trelaw from Collingwood to cast votes on their behalf. It's weird Adam Trelaw voted for himself. Yeah. Adam Trelaw says Adam Trelaw is going to win the Norm Smith medal, the Brownlow, and the Premiership. He crossed out the names of the team and just wrote Adam Trelaw. <laughs> uh, okay, so how do we feel about the Bombers? Exciting off-season. Uh, got in some fucking bona fide talent, some real speed. Well, this is the thing. Oh, now. hang on. Best, Essen... best and fairest, we should do. Sorry. Oh, sorry. And when we're talking about Essendon too, and we should clarify when they say they got in some speed. But yes, the best <laughs> and fairest last year, I would have thought would have been Joe. Oh, no. Um, oh, would it be Joe Danaher or would it have been? Uh, uh, I reckon it was Darren Buick. Shit. Who's that? Who's, who's Essendon's? Oh. But who? 
Darren Buick. I mean, he did have a good season, Darren uh, Buick. Hello. I will say that. Um, have you got me still? You're jumping in and out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. You got Darren Buick, though? That was my big gag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Been um, sitting on that one. Uh, no, so who would have won their best and fairest? So, uh, well, it would be, uh, what's that fucking young gun that everyone loves? You know, um, uh, you know, he's only like a fourth year player. What's his name? Oh, are you talking about? Yeah, what's his name? You know, fucking yeah. good player kid. What's his name? Yeah. You love him. He's your favorite player. Uh, Stop it. You're confusing me. <laughs> what's his fucking name? Ah, I'm terrible at this fucking... I should stop doing this podcast. You know the guy I'm talking about. He was drafted like four uh, years ago. He's really good. Yeah, Help me out. Yeah, Throw get, me a lifeline. Yeah. No, I'm enjoying this too much. <laughs> Please keep drowning for my amusement. Also, I'm not really sure who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> he's awesome. He plays for Essendon. Fourth year player. He's got dark hair. I don't know. Joe I'm Watson. just going to say friggin' uh, Joe Danaher won the best and fairest. Oh, there you go. So. <laughs> Joe Danaher! Woo! Who's the fucking player I'm talking about? You love him. He plays for for the Bombers, obviously. Zach you know Merritt, what I'm talk- are you talking about? Zach Merritt, that's it. <laughs> I just poured beer on myself. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. Zach Merritt, that's right. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Look, so, so I they, they'll have a... yeah, go on. Are they seeing I reckon poised... they'll have a... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, it is the preseason. We're bumping into each other. We haven't got our calls down. You go. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Just go. I think... Yeah. That uh, they will probably have a very good season. But what I realise is, because I do love Merritt, because I love Danaher, I've kind of got a bit back on board, Essendon. But now that they've recruited Stringer, um, yeah. I wish them nothing but unhappiness. And I hope that experiment goes all terribly wrong. And I hope that they just have bought for the short term and they don't have a game plan that matches it at the top level. And they eventually disappoint, much like they did in the finals last year. I'm all on board, Essendon, having a massive drop from grace now. I look. I would love to see that as well because you know they are one of the boogeyman clubs that I remember from the eighties with the the bully boys that used to push our clubs around. Yeah, but I don't see how it could happen. They have so much exciting talent. Like I think I they are not dissimilar to like a GWS at the moment. Really, like all their guns are fucking kids. Yeah, like you could really see Essendon. Like the other scenario is you could really see Essendon put it all together this season and make a real push at winning the whole thing. Like, it wouldn't surprise you yeah. if they were the team that suddenly gelled into a game plan and all those kids who, you know, have been coming into their best suddenly are playing at their best. You go, Essendon could be a very, very big contender for the flag. The first 10, no, the first two minutes of the elimination final last year when Joe took that hanger in the goal square, that to me is a sign of things to come. They will be doing that against fucking good opposition in interstate finals pretty soon like I just don't think if if they were all reliant on Joe or one or two players but they got they got good players everywhere and they didn't lose anything in the trade period they only topped up Jake Stringer like even if Jake Stringer doesn't come along the worst he could be would be an off-field distraction that would be where they've really bought a lemon but if he contributes one in fucking four games does something mercurial every third game you'd be okay with that 
Yeah, well, I think that's what the great luxury that Essendon has. They don't need somebody to come in and kick four or five goals a week or get 30 possessions. They need a bit of icing on the cake. And he is, he puts the ice in icing. Like he is, you know, uh, up all night party boy uh, in regard to the way that he plays on the field. You know, regardless of what he's doing off the field, that's always been his style. He's not the consistent worker. He's the guy who comes into the nightclub in the big, you know, uh, fur jacket and, you know, the big gold chains and it's like, you know, the package is here. Let me just do something exciting and then, you know, I'll drift, drift out of the game for a while. Like, that's, his, so, that's always been his style. So, Jake Stringer is like the first verse of Thrift Shop by Macklemore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he is. He's the AFL's Macklemore. <laughs> Can we talk a bit about the, his belly tattoo, which I was not even oh. aware of until you told me about it? Yeah, I mean, obviously I have. And look, I mean, obviously some of this is tongue-in-cheek, but there's a part of me that's just like, I, it just you get so glad. It's like when, I guess, you break up in a relationship and you start noticing all the terrible things about your partner that all your friends were telling you about for ages. And you just kind of get some pleasure about them getting a really hideous tattoo. And so he has this paddle pop lion, a Brisbane lion style uh, tattoo, like right across his stomach and chest. But the best bit about it is that his belly button is the mouth of the tattoo. <laughs> like when you told me that, that just blew my mind. Like, first of all, when you think of a lion tattoo, you think it's either, if the, the mouth's either open, which it's kind of like teeth are bared and it's like, you know, a feature, or it's, you know, the beautiful kind of classic smooth lines of a cat's mouth. Why would a cat's mouth be puckered into a little asshole? Well, only one reason, Charlie. <laughs> And that's and that's what disturbs me about that image. And the other thing is, it's fine when you've got like, you know, a six pack and you've got an athlete's body, but that's just a tattoo that is not going to age well at all. Eventually it's going to mm. look like, you know, Chewbacca let himself go. It's not a good look. <laughs> Why is it that the most mercurial kind of players, like when you hear about a player going off, the, you know, going off the rails or whatever, like a Harley Breen or whatever, they always, their personality Seems to match their Do you mean Harley Bennell, by the way? Not oh, uh, comedian and radio commentator Harley Breen, right? Cause no, no, he, I mean Harley Breen. He doesn't listen to podcasts. Uh, Harley Breen's so gone I'm off not, the rails. I'm sure, he wouldn't, I'm sure he wouldn't hear about it, and I think it'd be fine. But to imply that Harley's gone off the rails, yeah, might, might be, we might put, need to put an allegedly in there or something. This is like <laughs> I'm your grandfather with Alzheimer's. Like... For about 15 minutes or so, you get lucid conversation. Then I just start talking about people from 10 years ago. <laughs> well, people don't exist. And you're like, Grandpa, what are you talking about? Don't worry about Charlie. He's Gold Coast sundowning. <laughs> what I was going to say was like Harley Burnell or, or The Package. They're those mercurial kind of burst players and they're kind of flashy and stuff. And it seems like their personal lives reflect the way they play. I mean, you don't hear about like an Alex Rance type player going off the rails. You hear about like a Dane Swan or a, or a, or, or an uh, Alan Didak or whatever. Like those are the guys with those, you know, kind of personalities. Why don't, I mean, do you think that's no coincidence that they play that flashy style of play and they live that flashy kind of life? Yeah, I absolutely think that is no coincidence. It would be great if you started here. Like, I mean, can you imagine if it suddenly <laughs> came out that the biggest party boy and the wildest, loosest cannon in St Kilda history was Lenny Hayes? I yeah. mean, you'd be like, well, Lenny's kept it on the down low. You know, like, you know, Hawthorne's had some party boys, Lance Franklin, Luke Hodge, but Ben McAvoy, <laughs> he gets out his chinos and his chambray shirt. I, you know what? I don't know why I picked Ben McAvoy. I don't know anything about him, but he just looks like the kind of guy who would not party. I don't think you could party with McAvoy.
The big boy's here. Come on, guys. <laughs> All right, Essendon. So, yeah, I reckon definitely finals. How far they go is anyone's guess. It's how, it's how well all these elements come together. I wouldn't be surprised if they made the top four, but I reckon uh, finals bound for sure. They'd be disappointed if they didn't win a final after last year. I imagine their minimum aims for this season is uh, make the finals and win a final. All right, let's move on. I'm assuming the next team is Fremantle. Captain Ross Lyon. Captain Nathan Fife. Nat Fife. Yep, Nat Fife's captain and uh, Ross Lyon is still coach. Best and fairest for last year. Michael Walters? What about um, uh, old mate who went to the Gold Coast? He did pretty well in the best and fairest, didn't he? Um, Uh, uh, Handsome guy. Mac, um, what's his name? Weller? <laughs> Weller, yeah. Did he do... Uh, uh, Lock, Lockie the... Weller. Did he go to the Lockie Gold Weller. Coast? Didn't he go to the Gold Coast? Didn't he come from the Didn't... Gold Coast? Oh, no, his brother came from the Gold Coast and went to St Kilda. Lockie's gone yeah. from Frio to the Gold Coast, yeah. So I got to confused. the Gold Coast, I think, yeah. Like they, uh, they gave I don't think, Lockie, I don't think Lockie Weller had that good a season. I think it would have to be Michael Walters. Okay, let's see who won the free man. Bradley Hill. <laughs> Bradley Hill. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, you can hardly blame us for your supporters. You're a long way away and you had a shit season. So forgive us for not paying more attention to your team. Yeah, I, I know that Bradley Hill did have a very good season. I mean, he was a good get from them over yeah. from Hawthorne. Where he was a good player at Hawthorne, no doubt. But he's, he's Bulldogs champion, over there Bra- and... Brad Hill. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> him and Nicky Winmar. Yeah. Yeah, he's been very good for them. I think yeah, they'd be very happy with having him over there. Um, Fremantle have got to have a better season, surely. Nat Fife looks like he's back in tip-top you know, condition and ready to go. And uh, yeah, did, I you see the, did you see him at the captain's day where he said they're going to win the flag? <laughs> or something along those lines? He's not short on confidence, old Nat, is he? He said they're going to win the flag? Something like that. It's like going with the flag or we're going to finish top or something like that. It was one of those kind of comments where you're like, ah, but then you look at the guy saying, you're like, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could finish top. I don't know yeah. about the rest of the losers you'll have to drag along to get there, but I feel like at least you could have that aim and aspiration. If everyone plays as well as you do, then yes, you guys will definitely win the flag. Unfortunately, you're surrounded by a bunch of losers. Isn't that Fife the new Nathan Buckley? Oh, maybe. That's good. I like that. He Fig feels jam. a bit Nathan he felt he feels a bit like Nathan Buckley like, you know, that he doesn't yeah. understand why everybody else is not quite as good as he is. And um mm. that he is easily the club's best player and that he does have that sort of confidence in what's going on and the dedication to make that happen that perhaps some of the other people don't have. Um mm. yeah, I reckon that's a good I like that. I like that. He's like uh okay. young sexy he's like a young, sexier Nathan Buckley reboot. Okay, so you get given the keys to pick one player to put in the Bulldogs for this season. Dustin Martin, Nat Fife, or uh, who's the other one I was going to say? Dustin Martin, Nat Fife. Who's the other good one? <laughs> oh, Paddy Dangerfield. Uh, Danger Who do you go Field. for? Danger Every time? Field. Yeah, Dangerfield. Not, not Dusty? Dusty's an awesome player, and obviously he'd be great, but I don't think Dusty's the sort of player we need. I reckon we need a Dangerfield. Like, if you could have Bontempelli and Dangerfield both doing sort of time in the midfield, time down forward, because they could both be 60-goal-a-season 
forwards, both of those guys, because they're really hard to match up on in the forward line, but you just rotate them in and out of the centre, that would be it for me, I think. Well, it feels like Frio can go anywhere And it's not far from Moggs Creek, you know? Paddy could still live in Moggs Creek. He could still make it just down the highway. It wouldn't be a big deal for him. It wouldn't be a change of lifestyle. Did you see the Instagram story he posted a few days ago? About evading um, uh, the one of the one of the foot the TV journalists. It was fucking yeah. hilarious. It was Steve-O, Mark Stevens. Mark, Mark Stevens, Stevens has been right. bu- Mark Stevens, who uh, never went out of the studio to find a story ever, has been bumped from Friday nights doing the interviewing and suddenly got some of his passion back. So now he's chasing a hobbled Paddy Dangerfield around uh, the stadium in Geelong trying to get a story. Uh, but Danger's gone on Instagram Live and uh, done the whole thing live. And of course, because people are boring, there was so many people complaining in the next couple of days about, oh, Dangerfield's so full of himself and, oh, you know, it's all about Dangerfield. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. He's funny. He's great for the game. It's great that he's able to put all that stuff out there and be a personality and also still be awesome at football. And if you complain ever that footballers are boring, then you've got to stop complaining about when they do shit like this. I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize there was any backlash. <clears throat> I just saw the link and watched it and thought it was hilarious. I'm surprised that. I guess you've got to take him down for something. He's smart. He's funny. He knows the game really well. He's humble. Like, what are you going to do? Got to find something. Enjoy that. Enjoy him. Enjoy that yeah. we have someone in the game who is all those things. That's what I would do. Why do we need to feel, find something to complain about? We don't. Let's just enjoy what we have. It could be a fantastic like. Because they play relatively similar roles. I know, like, Fife isn't the, the dedicated midfielder that the other two are. But it's going to be a great next five years, isn't it? Just watching. Because they're super... Well, I mean, Dusty doesn't come out and say it. But at least Paddy and Nat have come out and said that they are super competitive and that they do take notice of each other's games and stats and they, they want to be better than each other. Like, in the next five years, we could see some awesome fucking, like, Jordan versus Bird-style matchups. I mean, it really is at that stage. And you hope that, you know, guys like Bont and Pally and those ones who are on the fringes of that see this as an opportunity to step up to that level as well. Can you imagine if we had a club, like a, a system where like six or eight of the teams have someone they consider to be maybe the best player in the competition. And so most weeks you get to go out and see them play against each other. I just think it's, I mean, and like the Geelong thing, like Ablett, mm. Selwood and Dangerfield, the first time that the three of them just run out in Geelong colours together. That's just awesome. Like, it's just awesome to watch that. Like, as a footy fan, I I, yeah. I didn't really care one way or the other about Ablett coming back. But now that he's back and seeing the three of them together, you're like, oh, this is going to be fun. It's like fucking, it's like a superhero team up. It's like in the wrestling when Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage put their differences aside, become the mega powers. You're like, yeah, right. this is awesome. Yeah, this is basically an Avengers team up. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we move on to, oh, hang on, what do we, where do we, where do we see Frio? Like, um, I reckon bottom to mid table could potentially make yep. finals. Uh, I would say bottom uh, bottom to mid table won't won't make the finals. Oh, can we just take a moment and just acknowledge Ross Lyon? Like, look, I know he's contracted for another four years or so. He may not make it, depending on how they go this year. But I, for someone who was heartbroken by Ross Lyon, I want more Ross Lyon in the game. He's getting so candid in his interviews now. Like, I really love. I mean, Michael Chamberlain uh, from uh, Junk Time AFL Pod has always said that he reckons Ross Lyon is like your drunk uncle at a party. And I kind of see where that is. He does have that kind of totally laconic, 
matter of fact, doesn't mince words style of interviews. And I think he's gotten so comfortable. I think because he was such a high ticket coach for so long and then everything's sort of fallen apart. We're seeing more honesty from Ross Lyon. And it was sort of, do you remember when um, Mick Malthouse went through that phase of just being really honest in interviews and stuff before he got really grumpy? But when, when Collingwood was sort of a middling team, kind of mid-2000s, and he'd just come out and go, oh, yeah, well, we're not good enough. That's why we're not winning games. We're just not good. I think we're starting to see that part of Ross Lyon's career start where he's like, oh, I've got zero fucks to give. If we're not going to make finals, I'm going to start fucking dropping some truth bombs. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going all 90s comic. I'm getting myself a hoodie. I'm growing yeah. my hair out. And Smoking I'm going to lay down some fucking truth. <laughs> yeah. It'd be so great if... If this season Ross Lyon grows a ponytail, starts wearing a hoodie to press conferences and starts smoking a cigarette between yeah. two fingers as yeah. he answers questions. Like every he, time Steve-O he, drops a question, he sucks it in. He insists he does his press conference in front of just like a plain brick wall instead of like a sponsor's board. <laughs> yeah, it's a Ross Lyon press conference. He comes out, there's a brick wall behind, there's a stool with like a beer on it. He comes out with his hair in a ponytail, smoking a cigarette into the spotlight, and then flicks it and goes, I'll take your questions now. Ross Lyon tells it like it is. Ross Lyon gets old Bill Hicks. Up late with Ross. All right. Uh, moving on to Geelong. Now, is it my go? Uh, no, I guess, it's your go. I guess for you, so it's your go. Geelong, captain and uh, coach. The captain, captain of the Geelong Football Club is uh, Joel Selwood. And the uh, coach of the Geelong Football Club is uh, uh, Chris Scott. Yes. <laughs> I agree. And best and fairest from last year, Paddy Danger. Uh, the best and fairest from last year would have been uh, Guthrie. No, you see, the, yeah, you see the other good midfielder, Guthrie, right? Did, he had a great season. Yeah, the, blond, the blondie, the guy with the bird's nest. Yeah, I think that's... I think. <laughs> Are you suffering from soreness, rheumatism, gout, arthritis? A Japanese herbal steam bath can help alleviate your pain. We invite you to the Japanese bathhouse in the Blue Mountains. After three hours, you'll feel renewed. Experience a Japanese way of life for a day and ease away pain. Visit us this weekend. Go to japanesebathhouse.com.au that's who I'm thinking of. I'm going to, I'm going to bet um, on Paddy because I reckon he would... Oh, yeah, Dangerfield. Yeah, Dangerfield would have yeah. fucking won their best and fairest. What am I thinking Or about? Joel. Patrick I'm a fucking Dangerfield. idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Dangerfield. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, of course. You literally Sorry. just fucking waxed lyrical about how great Paddy Dangerfield is for the game and we're so lucky to be right. witnessing. And then I ask you who won last year and you're like, um, some guy's name I'm not even sure of. Yeah, and he came like second in the Brownlow or whatever and I'm like, what about old mate whose name I can't remember? <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> No, probably Dangerfield, you're right. Uh, interesting year for the Cats, considering how they've drafted and, and, and where they're positioned. Um, because you just don't know if maybe emotion has fed into this a little too much. Uh, all I would say is it just depends, I reckon, on how much the big three play. I mean, I really think it's going to be that, you know, it's going to be that thing of going, if you can get Ablett, Dangerfield and Selwood out on the field for the majority of the season, then they can make finals. And if you can't, then they can't make finals. Uh, what about the big question, Reese Stanley? Uh, has he retired? Is that the question? <laughs> <laughs> Jesse White and him are going into business, I believe. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I reckon... I mean, they had a pretty dramatic exit last year. Disappointing, uh, probably I should, is, is a better term. I, <clears throat> I don't know. I can't really get a beat. I don't feel like... They don't, to me, feel as dangerous as like an Adelaide or a Richmond or a GWS. I feel like maybe on their day, if it's all going well... Um, but I, f- I feel like finals for, for Geelong this year. Finals, but no fall. Yeah, they. I mean, that, the thing about Geelong is that you can never really underestimate them. They tend to be one of those teams that consistently, you know, are up and about where they are. And the top end of their list is so quality that if they're all playing well, they can drag them, you know, the rest of them up with them. But it drops off much quicker than some other teams when it comes to depth. And I think that... Yeah, they'll win a lot of games in Geelong, but you just get a bit worried about how they'll do the rest of the time, I think. I mean, I get the Ablett decision. How old is he? It must be 32, 33, 34? Right? He's 34. I think so. So how much of this is a marketing decision and how much of this is like a want-to-win-a-flag decision? Uh, halfway into last season, he was leading the Brownlow, basically. Like, mm. he's still a very, very good player. And he doesn't need to come back and be their best player now. He needs to come back and be their third or fourth best player. Yeah. Is he still their third or be- fourth best player? Absolutely. I think I think it's enough of a football decision, and it's also a lot of a marketing decision. But I think he's still a good enough footballer. And in a team where he's going to enjoy it, and that he doesn't have to be the number one guy, I think we might see a good... Like, I, my hope is, anyway, that we'll see a couple of years of you know, a re-emergence of Gary Ablett, of him enjoying his football and, yeah, yeah, lurking around the forward line a bit more and kicking some awesome goals. And I think we're going to enjoy it if he if he plays. He's definitely the kind of player like a Lee Matthews or a Kevin Bartlett or whatever, who you could see just extending his career by two or three years, becoming a really dangerous forward pocket. You just can't match up on him. Like, if they can work out a way that... Yeah, Ablett and Dangerfield split that sort of forward role. You know, maybe Danger plays 60%, 70% in the midfield and Ablett, you know, plays the other bit and they just sort of swap in the forward line. Geez, that'd be hard to match up on because they're both really hard to match up on in the forward line, but in very different ways. You'd have to have two hmm. separate players to be able to match up with that one role they were swapping through. I just think if that started working in song, they that, that could be really dangerous. So what did you say? What's your predicted finish for them? <clears throat> I don't think they'll make the finals, but I think they'll win Woo! most of their games down in Geelong, but I don't think they'll make the finals. But I think I said that last year and they made the finals. So, you know. That's a big call. Big call. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What comes after G? H, I, G. Oh, no. We're still, oh. Well, we kind of answered this one. Yeah. Stewie so the Gold Jew. Coast coach is obviously Chris, Chris Pagan. <laughs> Stuart Jew is the coach, and I believe yes. the captain is uh, soon to be St Kilda for forward Tom Lynch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Tommy Lynch is their captain still. Uh, and uh, I guess if you're on the Gold Coast, you've got to be hopeful that he remains the captain up there. Uh, they don't play any of their first 10 games or something on the Gold Coast because of the Commonwealth Games. So the first half of their season is basically away on the road. Uh, this has got to be tough for the Gold yeah. Coast, you would have thought. I just feel like, for me, the feeling I get, because it's all about the vibe on this show, Gold Coast is like... A show that I used to love, and now I'm watching it. I'm like, oh fuck, man! Since that show when I left, it is bad. Like, you know, you, you, it, it's really hard to. I, I'm watching this off the promise of what the the previous seasons used to be, but this is just this is painful to watch now. In fact, the more I'm watching this, the more I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I look. I'm I, I'm <laughs> I'm. I wish that I had more hope for the Gold Coast, but it is one of those things where it's just a bit hard at the moment to to find where that hope comes from. Stuart Jew's a really good coach. 
Um, you know, I think this is probably a, a position where they're going to rebuild now. Ablett's gone. They can go in a new direction. Hopefully, Tom Lynch decides to stay and he has a really good season. But, whew, I mean, it's just going to be tough for the Gold Coast uh, early on. And I feel sorry for them a bit. You know my feelings on the actual Gold Coast, Charlie, that they should bulldoze, it bulldoze into the, ocean. the entire thing into the ocean. Like, So, yeah. you know, but I'll take that aside and I'll think about these players who didn't necessarily to be asked to be in a place like that. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll go well. Bottom third of the ladder, uh, but hopefully just a few positive shoots Brisbane style during the season and uh, a bit of hope for next year under Stewie Dew. So who did they get in? Lucky Weller. Yeah, that'll Lucky fix Weller. everything. Yep. <laughs> Problem solved. You lost Adam Saad. Who else did you lose? They lost a couple Gary of guns. Ablett. Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett. Yeah. yeah. Your oh, best right. player. That guy. But you got um, Lucky Weller in, so everything will be let's, fine. Let's, let's take a moment to talk about Stewie Dew. Now, Stewie Dew, Port Adelaide player, went to Hawthorne. Uh, Norm Smith medalist or at least premiership hero in 2008 when premiership they stole hero. their first one. Premiership hero. But of the old-fashioned body types in football, you've never seen a greater exponent. Like, he was just that old-school country footballer who would eat four pies at halftime and then come out and kick 12 goals. I mean, he is a big unit. And in that grand <laughs> final, it was the classic example. It was like the last sort of fat star footballer. And I, I don't mean that in a mean way, but... That's what it was. He dominated the grand final and he clearly was not in peak condition. Like sometimes you just look puffed, you know, standing around, but then the ball would go in his direction and he would have these moments in that grand final that, and it just did feel like in a game that's become so much about what your, your, your time around the tan is or your beep test is mm. or your skin folds are, that it was like the last great hurrah for the guy who could have just been plucked out of country football you know <laughs> like Stewie Jew always looked like a guy who kicked 180 goals every year in the country leagues but yeah. never was like fit enough to play in the big leagues except yeah. accidentally he'd found himself on grand final day being the best player on the ground but you have to be right like I mean I understand there's different body types and you know some people lose weight as it but you'd think by grand final day six months of high intensity athletic endeavor you would have lost a bit of weight by the time you got to the grand final. I mean, it looked like it was preseason. I think from memory that he had had a hamstring injury in the lead up to the oh, grand right. final. So I think he might have. I think he might not have been able to train a lot. And I think that Stewie Jew was one of those guys that when you're not training a lot, he, he just blew out a lot. I mean, as you've seen from his post football shape. He's obviously not one of those guys who can continue to eat at the way you eat when you're a professional athlete and your body stays in shape. He's obviously had that as an issue. He had a hamstring injury coming into that final series. He probably wasn't training a lot. And he did by the time they got to grand final day. He wasn't in peak mm. condition for grand final yeah. day. But it proved, and this was what was so great about it, and this is why mm. we're not having a go. We love this. I, yeah, I would still amazing. love if I would still love if there was a bit of room in the game for those style of players. You know, the guys who are good at playing footy but don't give a shit about training. Yeah. I mean, he did have a hamstring issue, but he also had a ham sandwich issue. (laughs) That was ham. He had a ham steak issue. He had a ham on the spit issue. Uh, Every day was Christmas day. Yeah. Every day was Christmas day at the Jew household. They'd literally have a glazed ham every day. Christmas dinner is his favorite meal. Uh, Stewie, you've done a hamstring. You have to take three weeks off. Well, I'd best be going to have a ham and cheese croissant then. Maybe six. He had a hamstring problem in that he would eat ham 
off a string that he would feed to the pigs and then use to roast them and then dangle it above his mouth. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize we were going to get into this with Stewie Dew. I actually love Stewie Dew. I loved him as a player. Me too. He was he was one of the old school super boots. Yeah, absolutely. A great player to watch and uh, really highly respected as a coach. He's been up for a few coaching jobs and is glad... I'm really glad to see him finally get the opportunity. I reckon he'll be a really success, a real success up there. I reckon he's the exact right person they need for that young group. Um, and I reckon he'll rebuild them in a good way. But I, I think there's going to be a couple more seasons of pain, which is tough for them. All right, let's move on. I'm assuming it'll be Hawthorne next. No, GWS. Fuck, I didn't realize there's so many teams beginning with G in our game. All right, you go. Uh, captain and coach. Yeah. The captain is uh, Phil Davis. And the coach is Leon Cameron, former Bulldogs champion and also, of course, Richmond champion, uh, Leon Cameron. Best and fairest would have to be Josh Kelly, you'd imagine. Uh, oh, two, they've got co-captains, the GWS. Uh, oh, I missed that. What was that? Uh, they've got co-captains. So I'm right, going to say yeah. Phil Davis and Callum Ward is going to be my second oh, guess. Okay. Uh, but Mike Hale didn't oh, put it up. Callum Ward. you're right. There you go. Callum Not Ward. Bad. How about that? I went on the obvious one. Uh, so, uh, okay, so Leon Cameron's got to be optimistic about... They limped into the finals. Oh, hang on, so Josh wait Kelly, a second. You are right? Oh, I was right. Okay, sorry, I got confused. When you flashed up Callan Ward, Michael, I thought you were talking about Mr. Ferris. Okay, good. No, that makes sense. Sorry, continue, Will. <laughs> yeah, so the co-captains, co-captains were Callan Ward and uh, Phil Davis, and the best and fairest uh, was mm. Josh Kelly. Um, I think they're probably most likely to win the premiership. Really? Yeah. I reckon they um, limped towards the finals last year, but if they get everyone back and they're all at the right age, I still think that, you know, well, we'll get to Richmond, but if Richmond can't go back to back and there's a new premier this season, then I would say the most likely new premier is going to be GWS. It'd be amazing if, like, they do get up and running, and then a team like Essendon gets up and running as well, a team that's kind of similarly matched in terms of speed and skill and stuff. It could have a pretty amazing kind of final series. I um, I feel like you're right. Like, they've got everything from coaching to, to players. I think the one thing that hangs over them is the pressure of having to achieve something because they've been in the finals for a couple of years now. You know, they're getting rated every trade season, so... If anything's going to count against them, it's the fact that they're going to put pressure. And they're all high achievers. They're all junior footballers who are captains and representatives and blah, 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 blah. So they're used to a kind of standard of excellence. So I think they could be their own biggest enemy. In fact, I think the only, the only team that could beat GWS, Will, is SWG. <laughs> they're mirror opposite. The only team that can beat GWS is the GWS seconds because they have so much depth that you could swap the teams around and they could beat each other. They... Uh, premiership favourites in my mind. Um, I think that they will have learnt a lot from last season. Last season was the season, the hardest season they needed. Um, I think they're all right at the right age. I actually think that despite the fact that they have laid off some people, they've kept most of their really good players. They kept Kelly. Uh, they've just re-signed um, the Korean kid. Uh, you know, oh. Shield is Ralph Macchio. Well. <laughs> yeah, Ralph Macchio got re-signed. <laughs> so, uh, Toby Green. And right. I was so I reckon they're <laughs> hanging on to most of the ones that they need to hang on to. I don't. I think Cameron's going to have a better season. I just feel like you've got to be pretty optimistic about GWS if you're a GWS fan. 
I need to just take a, a moment here to dump on um, Michael Chamberlain again. Well, I don't think I dumped on him the first time, but I'm going to dump on him now. So uh, he was uh, staying at my place when I was back in Sydney, and uh, turns out that uh, he's family friends with Toby Green. Is that right? Yeah, because he was saying how much he likes Toby Green as a footballer, and I was like, yeah, he's a good footballer, mm. but, you know, Jesus Christ, like he does some stupid stuff. And Michael's like, oh, well, no, 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 and then revealed that they're family friends, and like Michael bloody Chamberlain. Well, he's been friends with that Toby hat, Green. With oh, Toby yeah. Toby Green. Yeah. Rolling around with Toby Green. Kung Fu I Kid. Re- I didn't realise that uh, Chambo rolled so deep. He's got a secret posse. I don't actually know if he's friends with Toby Green, but it's like more of a family connection. I think it was something about playing cricket at the same cricket club or there's some kind of community connection there. But yeah, his family all feel good for Toby Green um, when things right. are going well. They're all Team Green. Team Green. Yeah. The Green Machine. Yeah, they're like, oh, actually, that guy head-butted Toby Green's foot. I think well, that's what I was going to bring up. Is I'm like, are you a Toby Green apologist when he kicked Luke Dalhouse in the face? When he punched you know, the shortest guy in the AFL yeah. in the head? Do you remember when Luke, Luke Dalhouse uh, head-butted Toby Green in the foot as the way that Toby <laughs> Green's family tell it? Yeah, exactly. Toby's only played them in reverse. He's like, look at how he came at with my foot with his face. I uh, I haven't really thought that much about GWS, but everything you've said makes sense. Yeah, they're you know they're 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 in that kind of age bracket now where all the good players are fifty plus games. They got talent all over the place. I guess they could win it. I mean, yeah, definitely top four, top four. But I just I don't know. I feel like I feel more secure backing like an Adelaide, a team that's just a bit less flashy but a bit more kind of well like well um, drilled. Not drilled. What's the word? Battle hardened. Like an Adelaide. In our world of bold predictions, based on the fact that we can't even name most of the teams, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that there, GWS will definitely uh, finish above Adelaide. There you go. All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, so H Hawthorne. Okay. What do we have to say about Hawthorne? Coach is uh, Alistair Clarkson, and um, oh, geez, who'd be the captain? Has there been a new captain appointed, or did did Hodge no. give it up? Hodge so was the same- captain. Oh, shit. Ah, Michael Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, coming up to his record, 800th game. <laughs> fuck, I should... This is embarrassing. I should know. Who, should oh, know. yeah, it's J- Jared Ruffhead. Yep, Ruffy is captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best and fairest at Hawthorne last year was who? Shh, who who it, do you reckon won the best and fairest at Hawthorne? Uh, sh- uh, Sean Burgoyne? I'm going to say Sam Mitchell, I would say. No, he's at West Coast last uh, year. Sorry, not Sam Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> Sam, uh, what the other one? Mitchell Johnson. Oh, yeah, Wallace, Mitchell Wallace. No. Um, <laughs> Mitchell Wallace. Doug Mitchell. Mitchell Mitchell. <laughs> Marty Mitchell. The, the dude from Mark Mitchell, Con the Fruiterer, won the best and fairest. What's his yeah. name? Poppy the and Con the Fruiterer. Tom, Tom Mitchell from Tom Sydney. Mitchell. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> not Mark Mitchell. Uh, Hawkers. Look, it's hard to talk about Hawthorne in... It's hard to talk about Hawthorne with any kind of, like, certainty about where they're going or what's... Because they're just Hawthorne. So, yeah, they had a bad year last year, but I don't know. I mean, they're Hawthorne. They could come back and play finals again this year. I haven't really paid that much attention to their list, who they drafted. Yeah, I reckon reckon they'll probably be one of those teams that could play finals but probably won't. But I reckon they'll probably have a pretty decent season still. 
Clark, I'll have them back and firing, and they've got some good young players coming through. I reckon, you know, kind of pushing towards the finals. Depends, I guess, on, like, Rioli and Roughhead, you know, how much service you get out of those guys. Mm -hmm. If they play four seasons, then you've still got some pretty good class up the top end as well. But if they don't get on the track every week, then, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a tougher season for Hawthorne. But, you know, they're Hawthorne. So normally about every three years they're in the finals and about every, you know, four years they win one of the grand finals. So, like, you know, they're almost due again. Yeah, they'll probably just Geelong it, you know, like after Geelong's period where they went quiet for a bit and then just snuck one again in 2011. I could see Hawthorne doing that in like two or three years. Fuck them. Fuck them. That's my, my season prediction. Fuck them. Uh, all right, well, that's Hawthorne done. I reckon that's enough. Better okay, Hawthorne. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Melbourne Demons. The mighty Melbourne Demons. Uh, is it my turn? or you? Yeah, it's your turn. Demons. Who's the coach okay, the, captain? All right, so the coach of the Melbourne Demons is uh, Simon Goodwin. And uh, the captain of the Melbourne Demons is Jack Viney, uh, co-captain with um, uh, oh, mm. with uh, that fucking good player whose name is now escaping me. He's got tattoos. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's got a shaved head. He's a really I actually good know bloke. this. I can't believe it. He plays really hard footy. And yeah. His name is Charlie. Well, at one stage Nathan there was Jones. There you go. I was going to say there was two uh, Nathan there. Jones playing for Melbourne at one stage. Yeah, Nathan Jones. Uh, um, that's good. I wouldn't have picked the. I would not have picked the Jack Viney thing. I didn't know that. Uh, the best and fairest at Melbourne last year. That that's a bit more interesting though. Hmm. I, I wonder. I don't know necessarily. Oh, uh, who Clayton Oliver. Yeah, Oliver would have won. Yeah, you're right. He had a really good season. So. You know um, what? I started off apologising, but I think I have redeemed myself. I've actually grabbed a few best and fairest, and I've shown that I know a few things about football. And just rusty is all. Yeah, no, no. There's still some life in the old dog yet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we don't need to trade you to another podcast. <laughs> just put me in the forward pocket. I'll play out my last couple of years in another podcast. I mean, he's not as good as he used to be, but he's still good. I feel like we're still getting good service from him. He's not going to pick every best and fairest winner, but he'll get one in three, and that's all we need. If, if, as long as I get to 50, if I can comment on 15 episodes a year, that's worthwhile then. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, uh, Melbourne, uh, prime for big things. I've been watching them closely. It's, it's been well documented on this show. Uh, I felt a bit of rivalry with Melbourne because we were sort of coming at the same time, but I feel like they've left their head just in terms of recruiting and... Game plan and everything. They just look well poised. They've got a lot of... Ex Clayton Oliver is a gun. Like, it's annoying because he's such a cocky little bastard. But he's a really, really good player. Petraka, Petraka. is still developing. But when he does stuff, you're like, oh, he's going to be a gun. He looks... Yeah, I mean, they've got talent everywhere. And now they've got... Um, you imagine Hogan's going to have a better season. Like, you know... Jake, they've got a Jake, Jake Lever's playing there now. Like, you know, it's all in place. But it is Melbourne. So who fucking knows? Yeah, Melbourne have the perfect opportunity to be the new Richmond. Oh yeah, I mean they're yeah missing the finals last year. That was very Richmondy. Like that opportunity has opened up. There might not be an opportunity for Melbourne to make it in the finals, but there's an opportunity in town for a new Richmond. Every competition needs a clown. Everyone needs someone you know who can do those pratfalls. And at the moment, Richmond can't do that. They're the you know they're the king of the mountain. They can't be the pratfall guy. We need another butt of everybody's jokes. Someone who builds up their expectations and then lets down their fans tragically at the last moment. And Melbourne has got Richmond all over it, as far as I concerned. The, the way that yeah, they yeah. didn't go to their they didn't go to their preseason camp because it was going to be yeah. a bit too hard. Uh, the way they went to the AFL Players Association about it about how cocky they are. You know, they're the perfect sort of, you know, villain for that scenario where people enjoy the rug being pulled out from under them. 
Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the difference between them and Richmond. Like, the thing about Richmond is there's real affection in the kind of calamity. When it's Melbourne, it's either so sad that you're like, oh my God, like, how could you, you know? Or it's like, you know, fuck you guys sending texts and memes and Tom Bug, you just want to punch in your stupid face. Like, seriously, look, we, we bag a lot of players on this show, but Tom Bug, like, Mate, you're on my watch list, all right? Like, I remember when you were playing for GWS and you bumped Rui over the line, you bumped Rui in the back and injured him, and, and then you punched that dude in the face last year. You're on my watch list, Tom Bug. <laughs> Charlie's called you out. He's yeah. made you number one on his watch list for the season. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that Melbourne should make the finals. Uh, we'll be doing everything correctly to make it towards the finals. And then in a stroke of Melbourne-ness, we haven't come up with a good term for it yet, but they yeah. will uh, disappoint everybody. They will disappoint everybody and they will uh, do something absolutely tragic and uh, newsworthy and we will all enjoy it. I don't think so. I think this is a different Melbourne. The Melbourne I've seen over the last year, because we played in the JLT as well, and I was like, oh, they've got that kind of, they kind of, they've got that, arrogance of a team that know they're good like yep. the way they celebrate the way they get around because they've got like three or four fucking guns like put the ball one out to jesse hogan gun and he's got that strut clayton oliver got that strut petrarca got that strut and they're now starting to back that up with performances so i don't feel like if they have one of those kind of like fucking calamity collapses i think it'll be rare i feel like they they're becoming a good team and they're going to be they're going to definitely play finals and could even make top 4 I reckon. There is a real chance that that will happen but I've got my fingers crossed for the opposite. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Hashtag me too but not for the same reasons <laughs> as most people hashtag me too. Can you imagine that? I try and tag on that movement. Oh no, I was talking about Melbourne. I hope they fail. Oh! There's another me too. That's embarrassing sorry. shit. Wow, your seems so much sorry. more important. Yeah. I take mine back definitely. Uh, North Melbourne, uh, I think that they will have an okay season. They're in a rebuild. Uh, oh, their coach is Brad Scott, uh, their captain. Oh, hang on, this is my guess. Melbourne. Is this it? This is my guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, okay. you, just, you just did some good win in uh, Viney. All right, uh, so no, good point. The captain is uh, the coach is Brad Scott. Yeah, I knew that. Yep. Uh, and their captain. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not Swallow, is it? No, he, he's barely even making. A, getting a game is he um hang on this is a hard one who would north want to captain them i think i uh, know what it wayne is wayne shimmerbush <laughs> no shimmers on his bike ride uh for mental health so he wasn't available. uh no this, this i feel like i should know this is it is it obvious do you know who it is yeah i think i know who it is and is it someone i should know i think it's jack zebel oh yeah that's true yeah Jackson, I think know. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that makes sense. I should have known yes. that. He's a good player. Uh, what do you think? Ben Brown, he'll have a better season. I think some of their younger oh, players are playing well. I just got a big smile on you. I completely forgotten about Ben Brown, but you just mentioned him, and I, and I imagined his big, buffy hair, and it made me smile. Oh, who won the best and fairest at North last year? Ben uh, Brown. <laughs> ben Cunnington. I'm going to say Cunnington won the best and fairest, but Brown might have. Higgins, I'll say. Oh, Higgins. Yes, that's a good guess. Oh, yeah. Charlie. <laughs> yes. Don't know who your captain is, but I know who your good players are. 
He did um, have a great, and he had a couple of great games in the preseason as well. He looks like he's flying Higgins. And Jared Waite is still playing. Did you know that? I mean, well, that's the thing about Jared Waite, that uh, he, he'll probably play until he's 50, because he only plays three or four games a year. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're getting wear and tear. He comes out, he kicks eight, and then he punches someone, and he's out for eight. Well, Brad Scott came out, I believe, in the preseason and said that uh, he's the fittest he's ever been. Training the house down. Good luck to them all. Burning um, up the track. I reckon North will be okay. I reckon they'll have a better season than they've had the last couple. Um, they're in a rebuild, but I would say bottom third probably still. Yeah. And didn't and what was their draft pick this year? They got that kid with like 40, Ross Unikini Brown or something like that. It's like a weird double barrel name. Like, you know, um, I, I, Terrence Trent Darby or something. <laughs> They drafted Terence Trent Diaby. I mean, it's yeah. an interesting draft pick. But well, he's, he's, he signed his contract across Brad's heart. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> or as they call him, of course, in uh, South Australia, Terence Trent Derby. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old joke that you dusted off and repurposed for this podcast, isn't it? I could just no. tell. That's really? just... I was just trying to work out which one of them's called Derby or Derby, and I couldn't remember which state <laughs> called Derby or Derby. Luke Davies Yunaki. Luke Davies Yunaki. Yunaki. Yeah, Luke Davies Yunaki. He's meant to be good too. He was. A, I was watching. I was into the draft last year, and he was. A, a lot of people floated him to go like number two or three. So they, it's a good get for for them. Hope he doesn't get into the wacky Yunaki, if you know what I'm saying. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, no. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, uh, can we sorry. just take a little pause? Terence Trent Derby. <laughs> what is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, there's still something to go, so let's have a little break. It's good for me to stand up anyway. I don't have high hopes for North this year. Not that I know anything about them, but because I don't know anything about them, I don't have high hopes. Uh, that's pretty much the North Melbourne story, isn't it? Um, I think that North Melbourne will be fine. They'll get a little bit better, but it won't be a huge season for North Melbourne. Bottoms are the ladder, but optimistic shoots. Yeah, so, yeah, mid-table mid, mid at the best, uh, unlikely for finals. Do you remember two years ago they won, like, fucking 10 games in a row or something? Yeah, at the start of the and season. None of and, us, it... and none of us believed it. Like, you know what it is? That's horrible. That is like a mate of yours, quits drinking, quits cigarettes, goes to the gym, fucking comes out looking great, and you're like, nah. He fucking joins a bike club. He starts cycling every day. You're like, nah. He fucking, you know, enters like a, a fitness comp. You're like, nah, not buying it. And then fucking halfway through the season, he fucking gets back on the booze and the fags. And you're like, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> you're never going to last. I know who you are. You're me. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so all right. He says drinking well, a beer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I reckon uh, that's that's north it for us. Port Adelaide, the Port Adelaide Football Club. Uh, their coach is Ken Hinckley. Their captain, ooh, who is the captain? Uh, is it Travis Boak? Is Travis Boak the captain? That's who of, I'd say. Uh, Port Adelaide? I'm, I'm, yeah. That's who I'm going to lock in. I'm going to go with yeah. Boak. And who is, is the not best a... and fairest at Port Adelaide last year? Uh, it'd have to be fucking Robbie Gray. Uh, Ollie Wines, sorry. Uh, I'm going to say... Wait, wait, hang on, which, one, reckon... which, one, which one's a good one? <laughs> They're both good. No, no, the Ollie really Wa good one. Robbie Gray Robbie is Gray. the really good one. Yeah, Robbie I reckon Gray. Robbie Gray. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. say Robbie Gray as well. Let's see. Paddy uh, Ryder? Paddy Ryder! 
Big Paddy had a good season, Paddy Ryder. Underestimated the big fella. Ruckman, still a place for Ruckman in the game. Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, of course. He broke my heart last year. How could I forget? Yeah, okay. So, Paddy Ryder, best and fairest. I reckon, Port, you've got to be optimistic. Um, I reckon oh, yeah. they've got a pretty good team. They've recruited really well. Uh, Jack Watts looks like he's fitted in really well. Did um, you know they, got, they drafted Tommy Rockliffe? Tommy Rockliffe is playing for them. They've actually got the Brisbane captain playing in their team. That's how well they're going. And uh, I think that they will, yeah, I reckon they're definitely a final side and they might be a top four side, I reckon, Port. Yeah, I think uh, they have been middling about for a couple of years. And I think that this is the, now that they've recruited so well, they seem quite stable. Koshy's doing an okay job. It's now or never. If they have a bad season, then fuck, who knows? What, you know, you put them in the Gold Coast basket because it's like, if you can't do it with all these things going for you, then how are you ever going to do it? Yeah, if they miss the finals this year, then you you burn it down again. Koshy's gone, Hinkley's gone, you know, the whole thing's a mess. But I can't see that happening. I reckon they're a finals eight team and they're a pushing for finals four team. And then, you know, who knows what happens. But they feel like they've got the right mix and it just feels like, you know, seeing Jack Watts kick six goals, I know it was a JLT, but you just were like, yeah, that's what he needs. A fresh yeah. start in a team where he's not the... Like having him and um, uh, old mate, Grump, Mr. Grumpy Beard, down front, they're going to... Uh, um, Charlie Dixon. <laughs> Charlie Dixon. Um, you know what? Grumpy Beard. I'm off, I'm off Grumpy Beard. Like, I, we were hard on him last year, and then I saw a few interviews with him, and I'm like, he seems like a decent bloke. So, Tommy Bug, Tommy Bug's the, the head of my... He's on my list. Last year, it was he's Charlie Dixon. Grumpy Beard. For no apparent reason, but now it's Tommy Bug. Tommy Bug is my least favorite player. Yeah, I reckon Dixon's going to have a good season. I reckon Watson's going to have a good season. They've got a bunch of gun midfielders. Robbie Gray is absolutely fantastic. Boke's fantastic. Um, I just think there's a lot to like about Port Adelaide. I think you'd be very excited if you're a Port Adelaide fan going into this season. I mean, obviously, who can forget the dominance in the rucker, Paddy Ryder, their best and fairest from last season? Of course, new. <laughs> not me. <laughs> Certainly not me. Yeah, I reckon um, uh, definitely should be they should be... Content with nothing less than finals and, and definitely pushing for the top four if things are going right. I, mean, I think I feel like I've said that about every club bar too. <laughs> yeah, they should be playing yeah. top four. It's an exciting season, I think. There's a lot of teams that could really have a go at like pushing for the finals, I think. All right. What comes after P? Q. Ah, Richmond. Richmond. Right. What's to say about Richmond? Um, coach, Dimmer Hardwick. Uh, captain is... Uh, Oh, it's uh, Trent Cotchen. For, for a second, I was going to uh, call him uh, Chris Newman. It's like kind of the same play, you know what I mean? I mean, not Chris Newman. Was, Chris Newman would love to be Trent Cotchen, but just to look at, you know what I mean? I like the idea that Chris Newman still keeps dropping into the club as if he's still the captain, and Trent Cotchen's always like, oh, hello, Newman. <laughs> and they think it's a really funny joke because that's the sort of level of humor I imagine Trent Cotchen's bringing to the table. There's no way we can not guess the best and fairest for Richmond. I mean, he won every other award. It is, of course, Basha Hooley. Yeah, Basha, uh, best and fairest. No, I imagine, like, Dusty won the best and fairest. Easily. Like, well, Rance must have had a pretty, been pretty close, I would have thought. He had a pretty amazing season, too. But, yeah, Martin won everything last season. So, uh, he we won probably the don't, best and fairest at Richmond, too. We probably don't need to spend as long as Richmond, because uh, we sort of talked about it at the top. But, um... Yeah, they could win it again, but I just, it's weird. It's kind of like the Bulldogs last year where it's like, yeah, they could if everything went exactly right like it did last year. 
But you do look at a GWS or like an Adelaide or whatever and go, yeah, I don't know. Just week in and week out, if you had to play the odds, you'd probably back someone else. But I would love, if Richmond go back to back, I think I could put up with that and then it'd probably be unendurable. But I, I would like to see them go back to back. If we can have another wild ride last year, as long as they drop one or two games to like a Frio or a Gold Coast this year, just to keep us on our toes, I'm happy for them to go back to back. They are, you know what I think about Richmond is that, um, there's so many personalities and players there that you could see blowing it out and going off the rails after success, but it feels like they've got one more year of holding it together in them, and then they could blow it off the rails and like it all get all fucked up and Richmondy again. So I reckon one more year of sustained success. I reckon they're going to be the best Victorian team in it. They're definitely the Victorian team, most likely. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that you know if they then ended up in a final against a Sydney, a GWS, a Port Adelaide and Adelaide, then we would all be back on Richmond's side still. We'd still be wanting to see Richmond sort of be the Victorian team that beat one of the interstate teams and they'd all be pretty good games. Um, mm. There's a possibility this year that there won't be a Victorian team that makes that sort of you know business end of the season. There's so many good interstate teams. So I like the idea that there it might be a Victorian team that still represents. So I think, yeah, one more good year for Richmond and then fall apart. It is funny that, like, we've been how many years into this national competition? Like 30 years almost? Yeah. And we still refer to them as interstate teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and we're recording this podcast, I'm in Brisbane and you're in Los Angeles, but we're <laughs> referring to them as interstate teams. Like, it's a really, it's funny. It's real parochialism at its best. Well, it's like privilege. It's like a man only seeing things from a man's perspective because it was the way that they always were. What about all these interstate teams? No, no, no. To them, you're an interstate team. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I can't see them. Look, they, look. you know, I, I could see them having a, a Bulldogs type year where they drop out of the finals or whatever, but I can't see them dropping lower than mid-table. And I think that there's a lot to be said for the momentum of like those fans, like having 80,000 fans, because they'll be turning up to every game this season, you'd imagine. Yeah, I think I think Richmond are going to be super competitive again, and you know, top four, and then you see what happens. People will be—they've got the hunted thing now. Every week, people are going to try to want to beat them, but I feel like they're a team on the improve still, not a team that you know had kind of reached their peak. Um, mm. So I reckon they're still going to be pretty good. I'd imagine this season, Richmond, uh, and you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see if there's still a Richmondy twist left in it. Our next team is a team I believe I'm familiar with, unless there's another team beginning with R or S. It is St. Kilda, isn't it, Michael? It has to be the Saints, right? St. Kilda Saints. Before uh, Sydney. So, St. Kilda, the, let me see if I can do this one. The coach mm. is um, uh, Richo. Uh, what's, his, what's his full name? Al Alan Richardson. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the captain... It, uh, oh, see, this is actually quite a hard one, but I believe it's yeah. Jaron Geary. Is it Jaron yes, Geary? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. The guy who on the captain's day, everyone asked them to go make a coffee for them. Yeah, they're like, are you sure it's Jaron? They're just like, Jaron? Run me through that again. Jaron, who do you play for? Is this like a make-a-wish thing? Why are you here? Uh, and last year's best and fairest? Uh, at the St. Kilda Saints. Um, ooh. ooh. Who was the best and fairest down at the Saints last season? He's, um, he's strung together two good years now, up-and-coming midfielder, the only guy to make the top 50 from St Kilda and the top 50 players in the AFL. Oh, there was only not one. Jack, who not Jack Stephen. 
Uh, but it'd be another Jack. Is it Jack Billy? No, no. <laughs> is it a guy not called Jack? Because they're all called yeah. Jack down at St Kilda. <laughs> it's one of the non-Jacks. Uh, no, I don't know who. Oh, Sam, uh, Sam Armitage. Close. <laughs> Samantha <laughs> Armitage from the Sunrise yep. Television Program. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except we never send him out for press conferences because they always swap the background. <laughs> uh, Seb Ross is the best in Seb Ross. St. Kilda. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Okay. That was who I was trying to think of. Sebastian Ross. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so the Saints. The Saints. You, you tell me what you think, Charlie. Not good. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't know. Like last year, I was I was happy for it because we had jumped out of the box last two years before that, exceeded expectations. And I said last year, I was happy for it to be our plateau year. That you know, ex- expectations were high. We just missed out in the finals in 2016, 2017. According to most charting of teams, you have a plateau year. You jump out, you plateau, and then you build up again. But I don't think I saw enough in our plateau year to set us up for this year. Like a plateau year, you still want to see like this dude burst out and that dude burst out. We kind of just traveled along at the same kind of level. Jack Billings had a really good year, became one of the best small forwards in the game. Seb Ross improved, but you didn't see any of those. Samantha like, Armitage a, had a great, Samantha, great year. <laughs> had a great season. You didn't see like... Cash Cow, the Cash Cow played well. <laughs> You didn't see like a, a Blake Akers or a Paddy McCartan or any of these high draft picks of the last two or three years stamp themselves on the game like a Zach Merritt or a Bontempelli. I mean, Billings, yeah, definitely did. But no, we've been saying it and everyone's been saying about the Saints for the last three years. Who is their X factor? Who is the guy? Who's their Nate Fife? Who's their Paddy Dangerfield? When you look at back at the Saints premiership, well, our grand final era, we had like our top eight players were as good as any you're going to have around Revolt, Del Santo, Hayes, Montagna. Like, I don't know that we go even, like, you could you could name two players. Like, we had, I think we had three all in the All-Australian squad last year. It was uh, Dylan Robin, Seb Ross, and maybe it was only just two. Eh, it's, it doesn't bode well. The thing that could change is that we just have an out-of-the-box year where this is the year that all, our 50-plus gamers make a name of the hills, but they'd want to fucking get a move on. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that feels about where St Kilda are, you're right. But I could see, like, I think that you're right. They needed a plateau year. It, you know, you've got to hope that some of those players who haven't come through have that season this year. You know, that your McCartans and your Akers and those sort of guys suddenly do have that season where they step up and become those sort of players. And if they happen to do it all together, if they, like, you know, if three or four of them, you know, have that step-up season combined with you know, Jack Stevens having a better season and like, you know, uh, Ross having the confidence and then suddenly Billings. And then suddenly you're looking at, you do have, you know, six or seven players who are at that level. And maybe that is enough to lift some of those other players around it. Bruce starts playing better again. And, you know, this, this, what the thing is about St Kilda is there's a lot of potential upside that hasn't been realized. And you're in that period of going, well, will it never be realized? Yeah. Or if it was realized, we actually have a lot of, really quick improvement in us because if this player can go from being this to being what we hope this player would be, then suddenly we're going to be a much better team. Yeah. And that's what they're banking on. Like there was discussion last trade period that we were going to go for a big fish. You know, Revolt's retired, Montagna, we've cashed up and we couldn't land anyone. So we went to the draft. We got two top 10 draft picks and those kids look good, but they're still like years away from being anything. So Alan Richardson said as much, like we are relying on all the players now, like Akers, like Dunstan, 
Billings who are moving into that 50 plus category that they have to take like a big step forward this year. But that's the only, that's all we've got. Like, it's not like we've got someone coming back from injury or whatever. I think that's the only chance we have to get into the finals. And even then, you just line them up against a, a, a GWS or a Melbourne or a Port Adelaide even. And you're like, yeah, like there's five guns in your team. Like, you know, even Billings, who is undoubtedly the most talented player we have, has not really dominated yet. Not like a Bontempelli, who has taken the pick after him. Yeah, I know. It's like it. Look, I, it's hard to see St Kilda making the finals, and I guess that would be a disappointing. You know, in the in the plan and how long you know, you've been putting it together, I think that most people, you know, would be like it'd be nice to play finals, but I don't think that they will. But I think they'll be competitive enough that. It's not a, a write-off season. I reckon it, they'll they'll put themselves in a position where they'll be pretty confident or like be aiming to play finals the year after. And I think that's an okay season. I reckon six to eight games, you know, maybe eight to ten games, just depending if they some of those players step up. But I reckon enough of them will that they'll have an okay season. I think under ten wins is a fail. I think we have to win. I'm happy if we don't. I'm not happy, but I'll accept us not making finals as long as we win ten plus games. The the thing about the Saints. Right is when they string it together, like the Richmond game last year, the GWS game, is we actually have a good system and we can execute. But it feels like we have this beautiful, like, reconditioned car and we're just waiting to install that engine in it. Like, if we got, like, a Josh Kelly or a Rory Sloan or an Andrew Gaff or any of these free agents that are coming out at the end of next year, I think that would make a huge difference because I think they're well-drilled. They're disciplined. We don't have many dickheads in our team. Like, we've got a lot of kind of big-hearted tries, a lot of GOPs, but we don't have that. Like, if Jack Stephen didn't have to be our number one midfielder, if we got, like, a Rory Sloan and then Jack Stephen is just running free, like, that makes us a completely different team. But, you know, that's not happening this year. Uh, all right, let's move on. Um, Swannies. Uh, this has been a decently long podcast. Uh, the Sydney oh my God, Swans. I just realised we're over two hours. Holy fuck. Yeah, well, I mean, not all of that is content, Charlie, because we've had some <laughs> breaks and we've had some technical difficulties. So we've recorded probably about 18 minutes. But uh, <laughs> but we have been recording for two hours and I have a show to do. So we should get right. through it. Um, okay, Sydney. the Swannies. Yeah, captain, coach, okay. best and fairest. Uh, J- John Longmire. Captain is uh, Josh Kennedy. Best and Ferris last year would have been Josh Kennedy, I imagine. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say that's probably uh, who it was as well. Uh, Captain Josh Kennedy, Best and Ferris would have been, yeah, Kennedy or. Oh, Luke Parker. Oh, Luke Parker. Oh, that's funny. He had a really quiet start to the year last year. He really did. I think we were retiring him. I think we were setting him up <laughs> in a franchise business with Jesse White uh, three games <laughs> in the last season, but. Yeah, no, he definitely did. I noticed that one of the teams nominated him for the person who'd win the Brownlow this year in the captain's, you know, picks the other day. So that probably should have been a clue. Um, <laughs> yeah, Luke Parker. Okay, all right. Well, you look, Sydney are uh, Sydney. So they'll probably make the finals again and probably be competitive enough that they could win it. And they probably just won't quite win it. That's my Sydney prediction. They'll be thereabouts. They'll be a really good team. Uh, and at one stage they'll look like they could win the whole thing, but they won't. They'll they'll finish uh, bottom four of the eight. I feel like they could win it, definitely. I feel like they might have unfinished business to do. I feel like Lance Franklin is just such a once-in-a-lifetime player. It's like whether and even if he's, he makes your four-goal better aside, I think. So um, top four for me and could win it. 
Okay, you've got nine teams in your top four. S W S T U V S West Coast, brilliant, brilliant. My favourite oh, team. Yeah, th- this one might test us. So, uh, the coach of the West Coast Eagles is Adam Simpson still, correct. I believe. Yeah. And the captain of the West Coast Eagles is, of course, Craig Turley. Uh, Luke Shuey. <laughs> no, it would be uh, Darren Glass, wouldn't it? Darren, Darren, no, isn't he retired? Is he? I don't know. Oh. You know that I don't know when players are retired or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is Darren Glass not still playing? Oh, what about Nick, um, McKenzie? It's not Nick Natanui. Eric McKenzie? It's, Does he even play um, for West Coast? What about, is it um, the other Josh Kennedy? No, he's not captain, is he? He's not. No, no, no. Um, JJK. Yeah. Uh, oh. Just put us out of our misery, Michael. Who's the captain? Yeah. Shannon Hearn? Oh. I would never have guessed that in a million Boo. years. Boo. I don't know if there's even a player called Shannon Hearn. All right, Will. Second question. What position does Shannon Hearn play? What position? Any, oh, mate, he's a swingman. He's the uh, utility. The place. He's a utility. He's a GOP. He's yeah. a he's, he's a big hard to dryer. Um, I reckon he's. Does he play in the sort of uh, midfield half back line? I don't know. I, I think he's a full, don't know. Is he a full back or is that Darren Glass was a full back? Darren Glass was a fullback. I don't know what position Shannon Hearn plays. I mean, my cap, my, my captain is Jaron Geary, so I shouldn't really be throwing stones. <laughs> yeah, I reckon Shannon captains. Hearn and Jaron Geary hang out together on Captain's Day. <laughs> Making people coffee. <laughs> Tex Walker just walks in, takes off his jacket, just puts it on Jaron's head. There you go, mate. Put that somewhere, would you? <laughs> uh, I'm not actually a lamppost. Hey, this lamppost is talking. Can we get a new one? <laughs> Shannon, over here. <laughs> yeah, Shannon gets on all fours and Tex sits down, just puts his feet up, <laughs> reads the Herald Sun. Um, uh, West Coast. I he's a halfback flanker. Oh, there so you go. He, so he really is the Jaron Geary of Western Australia because that's the same yeah. position Jaron Geary plays. <laughs> um, I'm gonna Imagine say, not uh, even being like the Jack Billings of WA. You're <laughs> the Jaron Geary of WA. Not even the Jack Stephen. Um, Not even the Seb Ross. I'm going to say this about the West Coast Eagles. I don't think that they're going to have a very good season. I think that this is going to be a tough year for them. Now, look, if Kennedy plays every game, he's uh, an amazing forward and he's pretty unstoppable down there and he normally kicks enough goals that, um, you know, they'll be in a lot of matches. But I just see them as being a bottom six team this season. This feels like... This feels like they've got to be in a rebuild. They went a bit older last season, tried to you know recapture that magic, and I think it was all. There's a few players that are towards the end of their careers there. They need to you know blood those good younger players and and sort of rebuild a bit at West Coast. I think. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, they had a um, they had a, a really great one final last season, which I think uh, no one was more surprised about than the players. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, look, for West Coast fans, I know that WA fans get a bit annoyed on this show. I just want to say for West Coast fans that uh, I'm not going to rag on your club like I did last season. But honestly, I don't really think about them that much. I don't have enough knowledge to have an opinion on where they'll finish this year. I felt like you snuck into the finals last year. If you made it, I don't feel like you will make it, West Coast, is what I'm trying to say. I forgot they made the finals last year. 
<laughs> I literally, that's how much and this they, season they, impacted. They won the best final of last year. It was the most exciting I, I of the finals. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, I mean, they did much better than I'm probably giving them credit for. But for whatever reason, I feel like they're going to be worse this year than they were last year. I probably have no reason to know that. I couldn't even identify who the captain was. So I'm probably the least qualified person to give any opinion on the West Coast Eagles. But I just have a feeling Mm. not a good year for West Coast. At least, though, in the first six rounds, we'll be able just to take in the sight of all those West Coast players all tanned and stuff from summer. You know how, like, when oh, you play... Don't get me wrong. West Coast They're an attractive the... team to watch. Like, that's... Yeah. And I mean, just genuinely attractive. They come <laughs> out of the summer. You know, they've got that real sort of, like... And uh, look, the fading tan period is my favourite one. Because, you know, when it's in that in-between state where they're just yeah. going into winter months, but they're still holding on to a bit of the surf look. I mean, yeah. that's your classic West Coast for me. When, you're, when your frosted blonde tips start to fade, you, you, you want to make sure your tan is fading at the same time so it looks even. <laughs> There's no one you enjoy seeing oiled up more than a West Coast player. Oh, they look great. A West Coast player under the lights at night, you know, coming into that sort of transition period into the winter. It's like the last, it's like, it's like a Mr. Universe competition. I just love it. They're kind of orange and oily. It's like when you open up a jar of like real peanut butter where they've just crushed up peanuts and it's just like all oily and kind of like deep brown inside when you look at it. It's those great moments where their tan is separating from their body. It's just, (laughs) It's like seeing the groundhog and knowing there's only six more weeks of winter. It's a sign that we're going into winter. Yeah, I look, I, I feel like they won't make the finals this year, especially if you're going to have like a, a Melbourne jump in. There's not going to be room for West Coast. No, West Coast miss out. Okay, Western Bulldogs, I believe, is the next team. Uh, the coach is Luke Beveridge. The captain is... That's a good question. Uh, is it um, defender Mr. Mark the Ball? Um, yep, it is. Uh, it's Mr. Eastern Mark Wood. the Ball. Eastern Wood is correct. Yes, absolutely. Premiership captain, Eastern Wood, uh, returning to the captaincy. Uh, so that's, you know, a good sign. I think that's like, you know, he's a good leap. Best and Ferris last year would have been... I mean, I just want to say Bontempelli because he's your best player, but I don't know if that's, a, if that's accurate. Is it, is it, maybe it's one of your, like your half-backers, like, you know, like, a, like an Eastern Wood or... Or Johannesson, but he had a bit of shit year last year. Oh, is there someone I'm not thinking of? Is it obvious? Uh, you know what? I thought it was Bontempelli, but then when you said Johannesson, I remember that Johannesson did very well in the best and fairest. So, did he? Um, didn't I he have a shit year where he yeah, was getting did. bumped and stuff? Um, no, this is your club. I thought you'd better, know for sure. Yeah, but he. Uh, I, I thought I did know for sure, but now, like everything, I'm just getting doubtful. I think it was Bontempelli. I'm going to say Bontempelli just because yeah. who else are you going to pick? Because it was, but also because it was Bontempelli. So it we were was. both right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we were we were right the first time. We tried to talk ourselves out of it, but we were absolutely right. Just lock in Bontempelli. Thank you. Um, so I don't know is the answer of what where the Bulldogs are at. I have no fucking idea. I don't know how this season's going to be. I could make a good argument that there's reason to be optimistic. You know, we had a tough season last year, but was our age demographic of our club is still in the right place. Come back hungry. You know, they probably celebrated the premiership too much, but it's hard to back it up at that young age. We had a few injuries at the wrong time. We were a bit in transition, but now some of those players who, you know, are at the stage where they should be better players this season than they were in previous seasons, you know. Um, I still think we've got our best in front of us if it all came together. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance Boyd and Shacky and what they do with the forward line with Redpath and whether we have a new way of playing that relies a bit more on tall. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, they've been incredibly secretive in the summer. They haven't been out in the press at all. They've been keeping their heads down and not talking to anybody. And like, and I hope that means that they've, you know, they've all kind of bunkered down inside the club to, you know, really focus on this year. And that I should be really excited and optimistic about it. But I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a Bulldogs fan. There's another part of me that was like, well, we finished 10th or whatever we did last season. And maybe we might not make the finals again. There's a lot of good teams in it now. Just say you make the grand final. Would you be more excited to take on Richmond? Because it would be the biggest fucking like, you know, game in Melbourne on that one day in September. Or would you be more excited to take on like a GWS, you know, where you have the bulk of the of the crowd with you? Uh, GWS. I reckon that would be, you know, I mean, to take on that, to be the Victorian representative against the, you know, the AFL Super Club, like I think would be whatever team that is. And, uh, you know, that's going to be, they're going to have the majority of the sympathy, I imagine, on the day, you know. Um, unless maybe it's Sydney and GWS. I reckon maybe you know, then suddenly people might, you know, be a bit either way on that. But um, I think that, I think that the Bulldogs could, you know, certainly make finals. And if they get everything together and if Bontempelli steps up to being, you know, in that Dustin and Martin, in that sort of Paddy Dangerfield level, which I think he has certainly the skill and potential to be able to do, then, you know, who knows? You know, we've still got a lot of good players. Hopefully Libba has a better year. You know, Dalhouse will be good, I'm hoping. And, I don't know. It feels like there's some reason that you could be optimistic about the Bulldogs, but there's also a bunch of arguments that say, I don't know, maybe we had our moment and we've just got to be happy that we had our moment. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I uh, I feel kind of the same way. If they didn't make the finals, it sort of wouldn't surprise me. Um, but if they did make the finals, I don't know if I could just back them to go all the way. I just... I would like. I would need to see more this year. You'd need to see something during the season that makes you go, "Oh, they've got a new dimension to their game." That it's not. That's not what they were doing two years ago. It's something else. They've evolved, but I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Hey, our connection on this uh, uh, Skype seems to be getting worse, so we should try to wrap <laughs> this up. Uh, we will be getting back into a weekly podcast if we can get the internet right and. Um, uh, we should just quickly do our predictions because I assume this is going to be the only podcast yeah. that we uh, get up before the first uh, round. So yeah, okay. Opening let's the, go opening the uh, season twenty eighteen. Uh, the traditional opener is Richmond versus Carlton at the MCG. Richmond. I mean, it's one of those ones that you know, if Carlton were ever going to mug Richmond, like Richmond unfurling <laughs> the flag, you know, Carlton <laughs> coming in, they very much are the underdogs. And look, it'd be a very Richmondy way to start the season. It's their big game. They're unfurling the premiership flag. It's the first game of the season. It's going to be packed full of people, and they're going up against Carlton, who are at best an emerging team. It would be a nice Richmondy start to the year to get the questions going about hangovers and stuff if they lost to Carlton on the opening night. Oh, Charlie, I've almost taught myself into how Richmondy that could be. Not only that, but to be five goals up at half time and coasting yeah. and to lose, coasting like they and then like, lose. Like they did for, for like, there's a period of about three or four years in the late 2000s where they would do that. They would get up in front and then lose every round one. I love that. Uh, I mean, okay. really spoiling the unfurling of the flag would be a great result, <laughs> but I'm going to say Richmond probably win that one. Uh, on Friday night, the Bombers take on the Crows at Etihad Stadium. Adelaide for me. I'm going to say the Bombers for that one at Etihad. Uh, Adelaide will be pretty keen to avenge for, 
the grand final and put some good form on the board. But I, I'm going to say Essendon. Uh, the next day, the Saints take on Brisbane Lions at Etihad Stadium. Oh, man, I actually feel this is a real danger game. This is the kind of game... I've got a bad feeling about this. This is the kind of game that we could lose. I just feel like they could mug us. So I'll tip the Saints because I'm an idiot, but I would not be surprised if we get jumped. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I've been convinced by your argument, Charlie. I'm going to jump on board Brisbane. I would have said the Saints, but you're very persuasive about what you've said, so you've talked me into it. <laughs> My pessimism has talked you into it. Uh, uh, that afternoon, following the Saints versus Lions, is Port Adelaide versus Frio at Adelaide Oval. Has to be for mm. Port, right? No, no one's even. We're not even going to entertain another point of view. No, I would imagine Port win that one. The Gold Coast Football Club take on the North Melbourne Football Club up at Kazali Stadium. Thanks for the clarification, Michael. Uh, Jesus. Uh, this know. is going to be a fucking a ratings boon. Oh, man. That's like... Whew, who who do you pick? Uh, North. <laughs> I guess North. I, I guess. Yeah, sure. Now, you know what? Stewie Jew, new coach. Your bloody show him a tape of 2008. They've all put on six kegs each, each player. <laughs> I'm going to pick the Gold Coast. I would love that if that was Stuart Jew's plan. Like instead of like all the, I'd love it if that was Stuart Jew's plan. Instead of like the old ways where people have dropped five kilos and they're flying, Stewie Jew's gone up there with a new program and every one of the list has put on five kegs <laughs> and they all like run out looking a bit more like Stewie Jew. He's let out the jumpers. They're playing a new way. This is the Jew method. Hawthorne take on the pies at the MCG. Uh, I'm going to say, oh, this is a tough one for Collingwood. I'm going to say Hawthorne. Is it too early in the season for Collingwood's backs to be against the wall? Uh, well, they have got a lot of players who are injured. That That is a backs against the wall situation. They had the, the Dugowie incident. That's a backs against the wall situation. So I think that there's, you know, there's been some backs against some walls at this point. But I'm going to say Hawthorne. I will say Hawthorne too. I think Hawthorne will win that game. On Sunday, the GWS Giants take on your boys, the Western Bulldogs, at the University of New South Wales, Canberra Oval. Yeah, GWS at Monica. That's a tough first game of the year. Mm. Um, I'm going to suggest that uh, GWS probably win that game. Um, uh, but uh, because, you know, in the nature of us tipping for this podcast... Uh, I'm just going to tip the Bulldogs anyway, because, you know, let's not jump off my team in the very first round, Charlie, <laughs> even though they're playing the team that I think will probably win the premiership. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the Bulldogs will win that, even though I suspect that GWS probably will. I feel like GWS are going to beat you up. They're going to make a statement in round one, so I'm going to pick the Giants. I Melbourne suggest versus... that you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> Melbourne versus Geelong at the MCG. This is, going to be... this is probably the game of the round so far. Maybe uh, Essendon, Adelaide, but Melbourne, Geelong will be also a cracker at the G on a Sunday. Uh, I'm going to pick Melbourne. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, I've got, a, I've got a, I like Melbourne. I've got a good feeling about them. Uh, I'm going to say that Geelong won't have their big three together. Dangerfield might not play. He's got a hamstring. Ablett may or may not play. You know, um, I don't think Geelong are going to be that great without the three of them all on the field together. So I'm going to say the Demons. The Demons win that one. Are you going to tip Geelong this year every time the big three are playing? Yeah, every time they're at Simmons and every time the big three play. Well, every time it's Simmons, that doesn't count. <laughs> That'd be a risk. The last game will be West Coast versus Sydney at Optus Stadium. Uh, Optus Stadium, what's that? Is that the old Wacker? 
What's up What's to the new? Oh, What's it's the, the new one, the Birds Hill. The new Western Australian group. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the, the new the ground, new... I assume. Okay. All right. Well, that's exciting. We should all tune in for that. <laughs> uh, look, traditional rivals, West Coast and Sydney. Uh, I guess it's Sydney, right? Like, I don't even know why I'm taking time to think about this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Sydney. Traditionally slow starters, the Sydney Swans, but uh, I'm going to say Sydney win that one. Even it, although it's... Oh, you know what? Would, is there a chance that West Coast might be lifted by the opening of the stadium, Geelong style? You know, Geelong always win when they're opening a fucking stand down at Simmons. Uh, is there a chance that because it's the opening yeah. of the stadium, that crowd will lift uh, the West Coast Eagles up over the Swans? Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Sure. They'll, they'll come out. They'll, they'll play some noise works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll be like a, some kind of really dated kind of Western Australian type like entertainment. <laughs> they'll, they'll come out and they'll beat this once. Sorry, I don't know why. I love WA. My sister lives in WA. I've been there many times. I actually have no problem with Australia. I don't know why I'm picking on you because seriously, the Gold Coast is who we should all be picking on. I'm sorry. It's just fun, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. I should stop picking on Western Australia because I tour there and I enjoy my audiences in Western Australia, whereas I've stopped going to the Gold Coast so they can bulldoze that into the fucking ocean. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike Ellis just reminded me I have not made my luck of the week. So what was my biggest upset? Um, um, uh, shit. I, I tipped all favourites. My luck of the week is normally an upset. All right. Um, let's just say... Uh, St Kilda versus Brisbane. St Kilda, that's my luck of the week. That's going to be the big upset. And I'm going to go controversial here. I'm going to say West Coast, uh, buoyed by the stadium opening to defeat the Sydney Swans. And that is my lock of the week. That was a pathetic lock. All right, like, guys. Well, we're... you've got a fucking mic stand and I've got a mic in my hand. It was hard for me to lock. I didn't want to pop and lock. Hey. All right, guys, so that's uh, Two Guys, One Cut, back for 2018. Uh, it's going to be weekly from now on. Um, look, here's the, here's the 411. I am in another country and will be for the next couple of months at least. So you might have to roll with us. It, it might be hard to get connections. We might be irregular for the first six months, uh, of six, first couple of months, but um, we're doing our best. Yeah, look, I mean, it's fair to say we haven't had a strong preseason. <laughs> uh, we've come into round one a little underdone. But we're hoping that once we're up and playing and we're getting some yet you know, competitive game time, then our game will improve. Yeah. The thing about two guys, one cup is, what, are you really going to leave them on the bench? Like, even if they're underdone, you get them on the field because you know what no. they can do. <laughs> uh, all right. We're done, right? Do we need right. to tell them about anything else? Uh, well, if you like the show, you can go to the Two Guys One Cup. Uh, cup. Two Guys One Cup. We've been fucking podcasting for over two hours. Maybe oh, it's only like an hour of recorded time, but it, this is ridiculous. I know. Uh, I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> go to the Two Guys One Cup Facebook page if you'd like to uh, 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 contact the show or join in on any discussions about any of the episodes. You can also go to our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash tofop, which is our other podcast. Um, but that, uh, that is the network uh, with which in uh, uh, Two Guys, One Cup resides. So if you want to support the show, you can go there and throw a, a dollar or two our way. Uh, Mike Hal is going to tell us to remind people about something, I believe. Hurry, Mike Hal. I can see the message window is open. No, nothing. No, he's got nothing no. to say. Great. Okay, okay, do we have a sign-off? Good. I can't remember. Uh, play on not 15 ball. Oh, okay, well, hang on. 
All right. Let, I'll, ready? And so that's that's uh, you guys wake up for this week. Play on, not 15. Bye. And I'm going to say the Bulldogs have got uh, two premierships now, and you're going to say, yeah, yep. So, just, so, so I'll give you the lead in just so you can get in the, okay, get, sure. in the uh, right. get in the swing of it. The song goes, two flags in one hundred years, that shit house, and then the record scratches, and you can come in with, well, Charlie, the dog's got two flags, and I can say, ah, oh, is get over it, will okay, Something like that, yep. I can get, I, I'll even sing you. Do you want me to sing you the lead in? Does that absolutely help? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready, Michael? Two flags in 100 years, that shit house. <laughs> Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. Great. One take. We 